Here we are, we're back again. It's another Better Today podcast. If you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know that the majority of the time it's me stood waffling by myself. But on the first ever episode, my first ever guest was Tom Hudson, aka Afro Magic. And I'm so happy to say that he's sat here with me today in sunny Kiverton. And a bit more chilled than the first one. Mate, well... We knew we knew what we were getting into, didn't we, with the first one? And uh, we had- well, I, I sort of knew, and then <laughs> and then it just went well, went off the rails. Yeah, didn't it? I'm going to contradict myself. Actually, I had no idea what we were getting yeah. into. <laughs> Neither did I, I mate. Got, I had a script, a bit like I've got today, and we went off, and then you went off and spoke about things that I did not expect, which yeah. made it the incredible yeah. episode. And yeah, I think you spoke about some things for the first time as well, didn't you? Yeah, totally. I mean, I. I it went deeper than I thought it would have gone on that on that one, you know. Um, and even after it, uh, you know, I, I'd, and to listen to it back sort of segments, I sort of skipped through different segments to listen to certain parts of it. Um, it, it, it I did realise how naked I was making myself appear in some sense. Yeah. Yeah. Obvi- but you you yeah. Laid, it all, laid it all out. Yeah, that's, it. that's <laughs> what I mean. I took my clothes off, mate. All right, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> You just whipped them all straight off. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I think for me, it was something that we needed to do. And I, and I knew your story were incredible. I didn't realise that quite a lot of what you spoke about. Um, and I think it went on for like three hours, didn't we? It did do. It went on for went on for far longer than it should have done. No, no. And I, I think we could have carried on, mate. Um, and I think the message and the reasons behind me doing a lot of these podcasts we talk about mental health, we talk about addiction, we talk about life, but the reason I wanted to get you on and some of the other guests, what I've got lined up is your experience and your lived experience yeah. and your journey. Not only is it great for people to listen to, but also in terms of people in a similar situation. Yeah, and, and I, I actually think that um, some people actually don't even know that they're in a situation until they hear someone start talking about it. You know, you know, like say for example, if you if you listen to someone you really enjoy listening to, um, and then they start talking about an experience they're having, and you, you realise it sounds like you. All of a sudden, you start tuning into something that might be going on in your own life that you don't even realise. Um, and I, I think that's you know, a lot of people, obviously younger people, are all having a great time. Uh, but I think sometimes just hearing someone else's story can go, oh, do you know what? I'm I'm sort of stuck in that same sort of spot, and I didn't even know I were. And I didn't even know anyone else were actually feeling like that either. It's um, planting that seed, isn't it? And I think that one of the things I've tried to do with Better Today, and you know, a lot of the like little videos that I'll put on TikTok or whatever, whether like a minute or two minutes long, is planting that seed. So it's basically people seeing it or might not realise or might be like, I think I might need some support, but I'm not quite there. If they hear something that they resonate with, totally. they're more likely to speak and then reach out. Yeah. Um, and, we, and, and I think it, that takes a lot of balls, by the way. Well, it, yeah. it, it, it takes a lot of balls doing that, Skeg. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I, I admire it. I don't think I could actually, you know, be as to the nose as as, as, as you are, in, in the, which is great, yeah. you know? And, and I actually, you know, I find it quite impressive that you do manage to do that. You know, uh, because in some sense, um, 
my, my, my emotion towards it w- w- might be that someone might think I'm on the fence, yeah, when I'm actually not, right? You know, I, I, I advocate sobriety, right, because of how much it's improved my life, yeah? Um, but to stand on the rooftops like you do uh, and and promote promote it, it takes balls, mate. I, I think the concept we're better today, I realise a lot of people are struggling and suffering. And I knew that anyway. And I, I certainly knew young people were from a background with Jaden and all yeah. the youth work and all that. As soon as I started putting these videos out on TikTok, we started, fair few runs the, the, the channels with me, started getting pounded with messages and comments from people who were struggling. And one thing we realised is, whatever situation anyone's in, the one thing they've all got in common is they're all sat flicking on the phone. So whether they're most joyous, happiest they've ever been, or whether they're at complete rock bottom, they're all flicking through TikTok. <laughs> and what we, what, what we tried to do, I never tried to do anything clever with the videos. What we did is send a short, powerful, impactful, and relatable message. So if someone, say if someone's in Kiverton or Dinnington or wherever, say if they're 15 years old and they're riding with anxiety, depressed, got drug problems, alcohol problems, things aren't good at home, they're not going to school, they've got no friends to turn to and they're just in complete crisis and they're in their bedroom and they don't know what to do. The one thing we do know that they're doing is flicking on the phone because 99.9% of kids are. So by them seeing something we put on there, it might be between all the videos, everything, the daft videos, videos of birds, football, whatever your thing is, cars, something pops up where there's me talking about anxiety or cocaine or whatever and they're like bloody hell that's a bit like me that that little simple thing they might not just jump straight out of bed and in fact they probably won't do that but it starts the ball rolling in terms of them thinking actually because you're making something relatable so they're not they don't feel like they're talking to a doctor or a therapist this he's quite a chill guy sat there in his wednesday top talking about cocaine I might start to explore what's going off with my eye. And that, again, that's part of the work, what I'm trying to do with all this is getting it out. It's not just about standing up rooftops and helping people, but it's about helping people get the confidence to want to get better. And I think that's absolutely epic. And I completely <laughs> love that you, that you do yeah, that. Yeah. And my point about having bollocks with it, which is what I respect mm. you so much about it, is actually understanding that point to so much of a degree that you manage to actually compartmentalise the other side of it, of like, oh, you know, what are people going to think? Are people going to think this or that or whatever, right? Which is, that th- that is my fear wall, With yeah? You. Do you get what I'm saying, yeah. right? Because I know 100%, because the results you're getting is just like fuel to the fire, isn't it, right? Yeah. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, that they can spout off whatever they want to spout off, yeah? But again, that underlying, and this is me talking personally here, that this undercurrent of what will people think, will people think of this or that of me or whatever when I'm doing what I'm doing, am I going to make people feel, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Am I going to make people uh, feel uncomfortable about me because I might be pointing stuff out that they know and they, they, then they think differently about me because I'm highlighting something, they, then they may feel that like I'm attacking them. In yeah. some, do you get what I'm saying, right? This is why I have so much so much respect for you for doing it, Skag. I, yeah, I, I understand completely your point. What you're saying is to get personally 
uh, attached or emotionally involved is leaving yourself open to criticism or saying maybe saying something after you. Oh, should I have said that? But I, I, what I've learned from doing these kind of sessions is sometimes worrying about what might be or what might get said or what might make someone feel. Actually, the vast majority of the situations the group's found itself in, actually, even if some... I'll say at the beginning of the session, I'll do a disclaimer about confidentiality, about safeguarding and all that, but I do say, if you come to these sessions and there's 15 people here, they're all coming for varying reasons, some drugs, some alcohol, some loneliness, grieving, um, can't afford to pay the bills and stuff like that, but at some point, something may get said what might not make you feel very good. And I can't tell you that you're going to come to these sessions and it's always going to be really nice and fluffy and it, you're going to feel really warm. Sometimes things are going to happen or be said that's going to... Well, this is the nature of where we are. We're opening ourselves to... We're not just saying we're working with alcoholics on this day, we're working... We're, literally, anyone could walk through that door in any situation and they could, it could be someone who's calm as hell one week and then week after could be completely, you know, shouting and emotional and all that. But again, it's... What do you do if if no one tries to get people to talk, then... But this is what I'm saying. So, like, dropping one or two videos and then having this feeling of, oh, what do people think, and then dropping, Mm. what you're actually stopping, what you're actually, like, cutting at the knees there, if you do decide, if this, like, what are people thinking about when I'm uploading these videos gets the better of you... You're shutting the door on all that all that potential of growth from other people that are going to listen but to you. I think you'll know in your your work life and your personal experience, sobriety has helped me with anxiety around stuff like that. So yeah. the fear of how you're perceived, I, I wouldn't say I don't give a shit now, but I'm certainly far more relaxed. I'm like, if I put a video out on, on Facebook and TikTok and all that, I know that all of the interactions aren't going to be positive. I'll get some shit off someone, whether it's someone I know or someone who's like, oh, here he is again. But I'm less, I'm like... Because the results have outweighed it. And that's you've just told me right there yeah. that that's what's happening. Is yeah. I'm sorry, mate, the results are outweighing it. And that, that, is, that is so, like, refreshing for me to, to hear because, you know, I, for what you're doing and what I, what I feel, you know, I would love to do in terms of sharing my experience and working with you and doing more with you in terms of, you know, promoting it, um, that that does kick around in the noggin. You know, yeah. I, I can be comfortably in my own private yeah. home and be overjoyed by, by my sobriety and how much it's helped me improve, mate. It's not that it's not that it's not the, the it's not a, a one bullet, it's yeah. not a one pill scenario yeah. thing, but my God, it helps and it helps on a diabolical level. Um, but I'm at the level of, I can sit privately in my own home and enjoy and it, that. It, it, and this is the thing. Someone compared it to veganism. Uh, a lot of people have got this perception about vegans where they feel like they have to tell everyone, yeah, I'm a vegan and every time I interact with someone new, they're going to know that I'm a vegan and I'm going to tell them how amazing it is and that they, <laughs> they should all absolutely... Oh, no way. Yeah. I never even, right, and, right, and, right. And it, for me, I'm, up, I'm happy to fly flag. Do you know what I mean? I, and, and I get what you're saying. It, being being sober hey. and doing it for yourself is fundamentally different to putting it out there and spreading. But the... it's for a reason, though, right? So, so, so you doing what you are doing with Better Today, yeah, right? Is 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 incomparable to people telling telling you them that they're vegan, yeah. Right? If someone had um, 
a, a, a channel related to like how being a vegan and how a plant-only diet is improving their lives massively now it can improve your diet. And coming from a non-egotistical point of view and promoting that, I'm all for that, yeah? And that's what you're doing, right? Now, what comes with that, and this is what I'm saying in terms of what comes with wanting to help people, right, is a proven example of that. And if you don't, if you don't share that experience with people, what credibility have you got? Which is why I understand it, but I respect it yeah. because... Again, again. You know. I think you'd. I think with some experience of that, like being involved with sessions or delivering stuff, I think you'd overcome your. Yeah. If you wanted to, I'm not saying it's. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. have to. Anyway, yeah. what what I want to do, I wanted to talk a little bit. I know, for anyone who's not heard the first the first podcast, we did three hours and we covered like your life as a whole, and we touched on mental health and we touched on uh, addiction and the experiences that you had. What I wanted to do with this episode in particular is focus more on alcohol and drugs and your sobriety yeah. um, and really look at, go into depth in what's been good for you, what's been tough, what's the good sides, the bad sides, um, y- your journey and really use this uh, podcast to, if someone was listening and they're in a situation with alcohol or drugs or even their mental health, as many reference points as they can get from yourself and me so they can use it as a bit of a, a tool. And we're going to cut it up into little, like we spoke about for some bite-sized bits as well that we can get out on the social medias and really try to... So really just... Cause I, I'll cut off as much fat as I can, you, basically. You, yeah. you, we, the first time we spoke, we had that much to talk about from yourself, your, your magic, uh, the addictions and everything that followed on from that. Um, I think we could have done we could have done five hour mate and and, and still been um, and what I love about this format as well is that we've got the flexibility to explore as well. So if we don't want to be like, all right, well we're gonna have to move on now. Let's get, actually if we're off on one, let's go off on it. Yeah. We'll try to draw it back in at yeah. once if we can, but <laughs> yeah. let's see. So one of the first points I had down were I thought it'd be interesting to look at like your childhood and your your really years in like. The, the things you experienced around like probably more around alcohol but like your family use of it and your first experiences of it and stuff like that uh well but if we're going all the way back to me being a kid and my actual upbringing again uh we did touch on this on the last one but i'll just sort of point out briefly that my childhood was 100 percent Mint support group family. My family has always been massively there for me. Mum and dad have been staple parents that have loved and cared for me. You know, it, it, I know you can't write a book for parenting, but they was it. You know, staple mum and dad absolutely love them to bits, and they did a perfect job raising me and my two older brothers. Right, so right there and then, brilliant. Relating to the whole drugs and alcohol thing, um, dead against it. I was a drugs are bad you know, never take drugs, right? Uh, I used to cut my mum and dad's cigarettes up, right? So when I was like seven or eight, yeah? So you weren't just against it, you were like I actively just... rebelling Mate, against I, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mate, I was like, drugs are bad, do you know what <laughs> I mean? Right? I was like fully on that bandwagon, right? You know, uh, which has, has some, you know, that, that perception has its benefits, right? You know, in some sense, yeah? Um, it does... Right, but that that was my perception. Drugs are bad, right? And also, right, 
I knew nothing about drugs either, right? I was so sheltered, right, from it all, yeah, that I, I was unaware of it happening. It's almost like, you know, that illusion where, like, you have to count how many times somebody bounces the bouncy ball and a gorilla walks past, <laughs> right, and you never know what you it. Yeah. That was me as a kid, and, and, and like... Drugs and alcohol was the gorilla walking as far past. detached from it as you totally. possibly could right. be. I, I'll even go to this stage. So I, obviously, so against it, weren't, weren't a massive party animal or anything like that. Uh, I, I, I found what I loved, which was the magic at a young age, and I was like surrounded by such great people, and still am in the magic community that have promoted me to grow into a good person that that is a caring, loving person as well as my parents, but also my friends to the point of you know. Drugs being invisible to me, and I will even, and I know this is going to sound crazy, and I've told people this before, and I don't even think I've said this to you, right? Uh, obviously, I worked in Spain doing the House of Illusion. Min, again, drugs were invisible, never knew, even, whatever. Again, just invisible, you know, like completely invisible, right? To the point of, if I saw two lads going to a cubicle, they were gay men. <laughs> so that's how. That's how removed I was. You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't even compute that they'd be there for any other reason that they were in there. They, they're going in there. there to do what they want to do with each other, you know? That, that, that's God of honest truth. Yeah. You know, that's how far removed I was. So that's I was. pretty far away from it, really, isn't it? And that, that's why I wanted to touch on that, because from experience, and I've worked with people who talk about, some people grow up, like, around it, and it's familiar, and it's not you know, it's something they see or experience as a kid. And then other people, and quite often in addiction, people who end up really bad are people who've no life, no it's no visual, no no knowledge or anything, so completely, so far detached from drugs and alcohol, yet later in life they find themselves in a certain situation. Because the switch, the opposite... So the realisation of a world of drugs and alcohol, right? This realisation of this world, it, it gives you an, it gives you like a, 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 what's the best word? It gives you a, a false thought process that the world that I was ignorant or had no, no idea about, it makes you think, oh, I'm trying to think of the best words to use, but it's like, it's like I was jaded, yeah. right? It, I, you know, I was hidden from a world which I didn't know about, and look at this world, this is what it's about, right? So it gives this like, look at what I've entered into with this hidden world that I never knew, and here it all was, right? Almost like, almost like, ha ha, we've, you know, we've now, found it, yeah. now we've yeah. found it, right? You know, <laughs> n- n- now, you know, and again, this whole whole idea and theos that I was against it, and so so like rawly against it. I mean, it's like the whole like you know religious idea of like you know not having sex or like not yeah. not interacting with females. That when you start doing it, oh, you know, <laughs> you full ball, you know, because you, you you were so hidden from it, and now you've realised it, and now it's like right, let the games begin. There's this whole world that with I didn't you. even know about. Yeah. And we used to do a really interesting exercise uh, in some of the high schools we used to work in. And we used to do stuff around drugs and alcohol and peer pressure and all that. And when the alcohol worked, one of the questions we used to ask the kids were, would you ever drink before the age of 18? 
and then they'd answer yes or no or maybe. And we we used to go on about a little bit about some families would be like strictly there's no alcohol in the house. We don't experience it. No one drinks in the house. Through through to come the opposite where families were really liberal and they'd have wine out with the food and kids from 12 could have a glass of wine with the food. And we used to have a bit of a discussion around what your perception of that was, what was right, what was what, what was the right way to do it, what was the wrong way. Would the right way be, there's no alcohol in this house and if you ever come in drunk, you get... A similar, you've just spoken yeah, I mean, quite I mean, a bit you know, about... In, in regards to the alcohol respect, you know, we, we did like the drinking on the park and all that sort of stuff and getting pissed on the park. Um and uh, and the whole you know all that sort of like kiddish mentality of like getting pissed up on, on you know I, my nickname was one can Tom when I was a kid because <laughs> I just had one can and that'd be me that's what it'd be now if I had one can but that you know it, it was definitely like the whole um, like the whole class A area and like the, so more know. what I, what I just find really interesting you kind of touched on it a little bit is if a young person has no exposure to, say, alcohol. I know drugs is kind of a different level, but if a young person has no exposure to alcohol, you hear quite a lot of stories, like you just said, you uncover this. So you get to 16 and you've got, like, a bit of adulthood and your parents are allowing you to do, like, go out and stuff and all of a sudden you're with your mates and you're on a park getting pissed or whatever, but you've had no exposure to alcohol. You've never tried it. And someone gets a little bottle of vodka or a bottle of cider or they get some cans. The vast majority of the time, the first few times, is you... You're bent over spewing up after yeah. an hour or whatever, and you're putting yourself in a pretty. It's funny to think about, but at the time, maybe putting yourself in quite a precarious uh, position. Yeah. Whereas a kid who might have grown up around it, not that that's a good thing or a bad thing. See it however you want, but if you've if you've had a glass of wine at twelve or thirteen, when you get to sixteen, are you more inclined to go out and down a bottle of vodka in bus stop and be stumbling all over, or are you going to be a bit more? chilled about it I don't know it was just quite an in- and I guess it's one of them things in it it depends how you see it mm. but I find it that someone who's never experienced it and then gets towards adulthood and then ends up in a really crazy situation like you just said it you've never drank before and then you're 16 and you make you pull a bottle of vodka out and you all start downing it it's all like oh, everyone's like oh and you you're know gonna be like, and, you, and you're getting a first time feeling of like that high yeah. Uh, yeah. but then obviously the danger of it and all that yeah. and then uh, I wanted to you, you spoke a little bit about it, so like your experience in terms of like your teenage years and all that. So you were on park and the bus stops and whatnot on the streets. Yeah, and and that, that you know that, that 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 was that was positive, really. You know, in the sense, obviously we were spewing up and like you know I'd be turning up at me the door and my me, me mum and dad and I'd, I'd be pissed or whatever, and you know uh, there, there was almost you know. And this is coming from a loving aspect of my mum and dad. There was sort of like maybe a because they knew my friends were good friends, and you know the, it was all mixed in that sense of you know I think that there is a very cultural idea of oh he's had a couple of beers right. There's this very cultural idea that oh the young lads had a couple of beers right. Not 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 in like a you should be doing that, but almost like it's 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 sort of weirdly sort of like a a, a pass like a right a passage to be like having a getting cheekily pissed with your mates when you're underage. It's very interesting, and I've spoke a little bit about this on Radio Sheffield, actually. I have this... Is it just a British thing? I don't know, but it's a, it's a very British thing where... 
your dad drank, your granddad drank, his dad drank, or your mum drank, and then your auntie and uncle. And we're we're British, we drink. So if you think about somewhere like Kivo, where we're literally on top of the coal mine in Kivo, in Kivo 30 years ago and before, you would have had thousands of men underground here finishing our day's graft straight to the pub, four or five pints, back home, tea, shit shave shower, or probably bath back then, and then back to ale house. And it's a, a man, is it not just men, but I'm, just, I'm, I'm talking generally, it's like yeah. you, you've just said, you, your mum and daddy, and it, what we're interested in, back to my point, what I said previously is, you could have the parents that be like, what the hell are you doing? Get in here now. Or you've got your ones that are like, Look at this daft twat, he's been out with lads and had yeah, a, yeah. And, and, and had a well, it's very it's very predictably like it weren't like, Oh my god, what's Tom done? It's like Yeah, and, and obviously I, I was still in I was still in, in doghouse, don't get me wrong, but it was it was it it almost it's almost a telling off, but then one door shut mum and dad are giggling together. Yeah. You know, like and I was saying, my, my my granddad, I don't I don't I don't know about this, but my 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 granddad drank and my, my 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 dad's dad drank, and my dad's never been a massive drinker at all, um, it, because of my 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 granddad. You know, he, he he sort of when he was growing up, I think that my dad saw my granddad drinking a lot, and and, and he, that really yeah. created a negative impact on him uh, in regards to drink and and what that might. Have, I mean, obviously, I don't know. I, my upbringing with my granddad again again, it's this childish blindness to it. Never saw none of it, but. Uh, my dad's never been a big drinker because of of uh, how my dad saw his dad's relationship to alcohol. Um, really interesting. Uh, but again, the the cultural aspect, you know, like you know, if I have, I have come in and I'm and I'm falling all over shop, you know, to have a laugh, like oh, you know, you need to make sure you take your socks off before you're in bed, and you know, mum and dad are having a laugh at me. And that's to, what I mean about it being a very off. a very British thing because it's almost totally, total it's almost culture. as if. Tom's at that time. It's like Tom's got to that time now where it's yeah. It's it, we're gonna have, uh, yeah. It's a, a, yeah. an English lad, a British lad, and he's got to that age now, and here he is. Like so, we'll we'll pretend to give him a rollicking, but actually he's yeah. he's here. And this is what I mean about in some parts of the world that'd be deemed a very strange. Like if you turned up at your mum and dad's pissed up for the first time, there'd be like a, a big problem. Whereas like the British thing, it's like. Yeah, so, so, oh, he's had a few beers. And that's what, I, mean, that's right. what I was saying about in Kiviton, like it was generationally, it's like become a young man, you write a passages, you go out and learn how to drink. I went out and when I first started playing for the men's team at sixteen, it took me out. I had no money. It took me out to Conyers and Forge all day. Yeah, learning how to drink lager, like it were. It's what you do. It, this is what I, I just find it, it. It's a really interesting thing to think about the fact that it's like part of your development from childhood into and even on the whole stretch of like the whole 18th yeah right <laughs> you know now and and i'll say this as a sober man and saying that you know I, I i love what i've got in regards to being sober but even to this day when someone's talking about their 18th did you get absolutely blind though <laughs> right you get what i mean yeah right because again it's this it's weirdly culture. Now, I, I will say that culture is not, that doesn't mean it's what should be done. It's just how something is stamped within us. And that's this sense of when you're 18, you go out and you get absolutely blind and don't know who you are anymore. I love the, 
the the line were going down. I've done quite a bit of content about it, and one of the one of the questions I formed out of it is why why is alcohol the reward? Why why is it so? Whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, it's the like you just said. It's your eighteenth. Not did you have a good time? Did you, all your family and friends gather? Did you get any nice gifts? How did you feel? What did you get out of it? Your first thought as a I'm not just saying a British person, but I think it's pretty true. Is what it's? Did you get blind? Or did you get pissed? Did you get hammered? Did you yeah. have a top shelf? Yeah. Like it's this. And and if you didn't, you didn't do it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up with you? Like yeah. It, and it. But again, it's like Wednesday. Our, our team winning at Wembley last week. It's like automatically the go-to. It's like drink. They've they've won. They've done this most amazing thing. Drink. Like, nervous at half time, drink. Nervous on the way down, have something to settle you down, drink. It's and, like, and, and, and honestly, if you wanted to get into the whys of that, that's beyond my, that's yeah. beyond my knowledge. But that, I, that, is, that is beyond my knowledge. Essentially, we're dealing yeah, with... And, and, and I'm thinking, it, the only thing I can say, it's culture, and that still doesn't mean that it's yeah. our friend either. But, and this is part of what I'm trying to do with the messages I'm spreading in the dropping sessions, the online content and the podcast is looking at some of these age-old perceptions and concepts and talking, not to say, you're not saying if you drink, you're scumbags and everyone who drinks needs to stop. It's yeah. not about that. It's about saying we've stepped away from it and we're seeing things from a different perspective and maybe it's worth having a conversation. We spoke before we started about my experience at Wembley and comparing it to being drunk there last time and being yeah. sober there this time yeah. and having a look at the, some of the takeaways from that. But I feel like... We've got hundreds of years of culture and formed behaviour patterns, and you'd be very unwise to not look at things that you could be doing. Yeah, no, totally, or, no, oh, yeah. totally, like <laughs> completely, one hundred percent. You know, uh, but like Terence McKenna, you know, I don't even know about Terence McKenna, but it, he talks about culture and 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 how it's heavily ingrained in our lives. And how difficult it is to uh, to like relinquish that, you know. Um, but again, I do think it's a very British thing. The whole stag do and the eighteenth, you know, <laughs> that's like stamped it's like on the, there. The, yeah, it's part of your marker that you've reached. You've become a man. This is what I was saying about me at sixteen. It was my like. Let's get him out. We'll play footy, and then we'll sit in alehouse all day, and we'll get him a belly full of ale, and teach him how to be a man as such or a woman, whatever you know. I, for me, I, I want to talk about it. I think a, a massive barrier. If someone's got a problem with alcohol, a massive barrier is the societal, the cultural, the friendship pressure. It's the fact some, it's everywhere. I've got so that everywhere you me, walk, my markers on here to, to to delve into when we get a bit further down. But really looking at the blockers in terms of someone either looking into sobriety or committing to it, the pressure you just spoke about. So the stag do's, I don't go on stag do's anymore. The reason why I don't go on stag do's anymore is because I don't drink and it's a conscious decision. But to some people, that'd be a big, to not go on someone's stag do is a big deal, isn't it? So it's not all, it's not all, End result positive. There's actually there's some, but we'll we'll come back to this. I want wanted to talk a little bit more about how you grew into. So we spoke about 
it was completely alien to as a kid. And then in your teen years, you were kind of like your typical uh, street drinking, uh, bus stop, local park. One thing I think important to reflect on that is, and this is whenever I do any work is to talk about, I can't completely demonize alcohol and drugs or no, whatever it is. Not at all. Because if I said to you, when you were out with all your mates at 15, 16, and you were drinking whatever in park, and it's fucking good. It's, it's some of the best years and experiences and the most memorable times of your life. And the, the, this is the, this is why, um, you know, I don't... I, I, I never sell it to people because, because, in one sense, and again, again, like, and again, I come to this idea because I'm so not on the fence. But again, it sounds like I'm on the fence is because I don't sell it to no one. I want people to live the lives that they feel they deem fit, and if they're having trouble, I'm here. Right now, what you just said there about you know the 18th and how good it was. You know, from the fragments that I remember of my 18th, I had a blast, right? And I, w- I was absolutely blind out, and I loved it, right? And I, and I and I and that's why if I you know even now as a sober person, if I hear someone's turning 18 or they've turned 18, I'm mad for it, mate. Tell me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and again, it's 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 there's some value in as as a. And, and this is what, when, whenever I've been out all my years working at Jade and helping young people and inf- giving them the information to make the right decision for them, when I, whenever I spoke about drugs in particular, so there was this big campaign in late 80s, early 90s when basically it were like, drugs, just say no. There were no, nothing to underpin it and, and explain it. It was literally just like, drugs, no, don't do it, it's bad. Which, yeah... It kind of makes sense, but actually, we're now going out to schools to talk about drugs and having lived experience, I can't stand there and just go, if anyone offers you drugs, just say no. Right, let's talk about something else now. I'm like, right, I first tried having pills when I were 18. Yeah. And the next four years, I had them every weekend. And I had some of the most liberating, mind-blowing, out-of-body long-lasting memory experiences I will ever have in my life. I went to music festivals and heard some some of my most meaningful music on massive sound systems, world-class production, lighting, visuals, and were blown into places that I would have never have found possible sober. That's real. It's true. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that drugs aren't good. (laughs) That's, That's fucking how... Like, unfair. How can I tell you that? But what I'm going to do after is I'm also going to tell you about when I laid in bed for three days and didn't speak to anyone, didn't have a drink of water, crying, anxious, scared at world, ignoring my mates, making me sound mentally and physically ill because I'd gone too far with it. So what you're saying here is give them the full picture. Give them the full picture. In other words... I had some awesome times, but what the most clinching point is, where did you end up after all of that? Yeah. Where did you end up after all that? And was it worth the, the ticket? And this is what, I, and especially when I, I talk about this with people alcohol, is how do you know when you've had your fill? 
So if you're going to do it, and, and, and have you always got control over that? Because if you become an addict, become physically addicted to it, you might be like, I know this is fucking me up. I know it's going to kill me, but I'm addicted to it. When that, where is that line of, when do the good, when do the, for me, my, my judgment was when the good times, when the bad times start to outweigh the good times, that's when you've got to take a look at it. Now, just, uh, I, I want to get to there, but I want to just sort of jump up slightly to when you mentioned about how I got into it, right? Because this whole world of, of me being blind to everything and like the, the flip side of, of, of obviously the drinking culture and then into like the, the drug side of things, yeah? What was the triggers towards that, right? When I step back and look at it, I think that I figured it out and that is that obviously I was, uh, I was having the greatest time ever performing magic for a living, traveling into to different countries performing, Met met a girl who, who became love of my life at the time, and then that relationship broke, right? So, within the breakdown of that relationship and me ending that relationship, um, I think that's what I was feeling. So I think that I was experiencing a true loss, but because I'd never been through that before. And I'd never experienced what that was. So I probably didn't even know I was in it. I arrived back from the UK after traveling around different countries, performing magic and being with someone that was the love of my life at the time. And then me breaking up with her, coming back to England. And now I was in this like limbo of, of what it is that I just had and, and, what, and how, it, how do I process that first relationship that you break up with. And, uh, and that, what was waiting for me was was a was a a world of 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 release of like you know oh you know having a bit of a joint oh sweet I'll try that all of a sudden whoa all of a sudden those worries those like this this idea that 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 I've broken up or whatever was weirdly put to bed right and once I'd experienced that. I, I I think that I just migrated into it because I avoided actually dealing with with the loss of what was the first person that that, that I was in love with. I think I definitely think that was it. And I, and I and I don't know for sure, but when I track back and when I first got sober and you know through my life moving forward, that that is that is my only trigger that I can find. Is that the break of a relationship? I a lot of people that I work with, a common denominator a lot of the time is exactly what you just said. So essentially, you're going through what you're going through, and then you find a way for an escape. You don't look for that way either. No, no, no. Things, something will happen, an experience, and you'll have a temporary escape from your reality. Which, if you think about it, if you're suffering in some way and you can get a temporary release or relief from that, you're going to be like, wow, <laughs> that like last few hours, I felt minute. But before you know it, it's, it, it, it'll soon transfer from being a release to becoming yeah. your normality, to, to becoming normality. your regular, regular yeah. behaviour. And, and, and the dark days are still yet to come, right, in, return, in terms of that. So once it becomes norm, and once it becomes 
the, the thing that you do, right? Uh, you know, the dark days are yet to come. And that's what we're, we're in, on reflection, thinking about. We've got we've got the luxury of being full circle. We've been at the beginning and we've come through it and come out of the side. And in terms of reflecting it, if someone were listening to this, I will tell you about the good times. But also, if someone's listening to this podcast today, we'll cover it. You need to know. So that feeling, what you'll get the first bit of re- release and you're like, oh my God. Very rarely do you get that on a regular... Once you start using whatever it is regularly, it just becomes your regular pattern and behaviour. And that release, what you're searching for, you're, trying to, you're going to end up using more to try to get to where you were. But then, like you just said, the negative aspects start phasing into your life as well. So not only have you got the negative aspects of your life, what you had before, you're chucking in substances and potential addiction and all the side effects and the mental health. And and I, I think a, a detachment from from the person that you were before it started, right, started to become evident to me, uh, maybe like, maybe even as early as one or two years into doing it, where I had this thought, excuse me, I had this thought of of a detachment. So like once you start this habitual usage of whatever it is that you might be doing, I sensed a detachment of a, of an old self, you know, um, and, and, I, and I thought, what's happening here? You know, what what's going on here? And if you think about it, you had no idea that was even a, a a possibility, and this is what when I when I when I used to talk to kids about peer pressure and decision making, one decision. This is what it might sound simple. Like if I said to you, jump off that bridge, you, you'd have the rational sentence to be like, if I jump off that bridge, I, I might die or I might do something bad. So you'd know to not do it. Some other decisions like try this spliff or try this coke or try this beer. If you don't have the information, you know, I'm not saying if you try a can of beer, you're going to end up a raging alcoholic. You could. Point being is, if you know, if you say, just say no, but then don't <laughs> tell them anything. Don't if you know, that. and you've, you've got enough information to make your own mind up, like, if you would have said, you're going to try smoking weed, and then soon into it, you're going to have this experience where you're going to feel like, I had the same with pills. I felt like this was me, the, the the real me, and then this was this impression of myself, what I'd made, that was a consequence of what I was putting in my body. And then how do I think they feel about me? But they, do they think I'm a bad person? And well, right there, you're a fragmented and, and, then, and then that's a, a difficult, it's a difficult thing to comprehend, the two. And then that's battle. And I know we spoke a lot about your experiences of, your Raphael Magic persona and your Tom Woodson persona, but for a young person or even an adult trying something for the first time, if you said to them, just stop a second before you do that, I just want to take an hour to tell you about, I know we haven't got the luxury of doing that, but through mediums like this, podcasts and stuff like that, people knowing, if I tried Coke for the first time, first 50 times I've it, it's going to be mind-blowing and I'm going to love it, but then after that, I'm going to lose it. My relationships are going to deteriorate. My health's going to deteriorate. My mental health's going to deteriorate. Um, my money's going to be fucked. <laughs> and there's all these negative aspects to it. I think when you first dabble in something, 
you're that engrossed with the feeling of it when actually you don't fully come. And I, again, it's important to reiterate: not every person who tries drugs is going to end up in the same situation as you did, or as that, or as I did. But you need to know because you could. Yeah, totally. I mean, you could. Yeah, totally. And and I think that that the absence of the knowledge is is probably uh, brings you more lightly into the category. Of the fact of the of the danger side to it, purely because you know I, I didn't I didn't you know I know there's all this awareness stuff, and, but I, I wasn't taking none of that in. So when I was again, I didn't know none of the experience. I'd not spoke to anyone about the experience of the dangers or where it could end up. That I think the absence of the the information, what you're creating for people, actually means well, sweet. Let's put the pedal on to the metal, right? Yeah. Because you know, we might as well go 100 mile an hour because I don't, I don't even know there's a wall in front of me, right? And then, bam, but, you know, before you know it. And then I think that the, the internal perception of, uh, of like, uh, Class A drugs um, and, and the use of them, I think that is even more, like, I think that's even fuel to the actual mental health aspects which can, can further go down the line because it creates this self-image of I'm this druggy, I'm this wrong person, right? It creates, you know, because that, that whole, because if you're an alcoholic, you know, like people say, oh, you know, you're an alcoholic, you know, it's almost like run of the mill or whatever, right? Because the perception's different because it's plastered everywhere. You can walk into a shop and do it, right? I think the perception of drugs, which has be, been like, completely and utterly pushed into us um makes the makes the the window for mental health issues coming from use of it absolutely even bigger because then hold on a sec i'm this outsider the perception is i'm this outsider i'm doing this thing what's so so taboo and so against society that i'm now this bad person i think your point is tremendous and I've, I've got personal experience of it one of the main battles I had especially around like pills and ecstasy and all that the come downs I'd be laid in bed all day sweating the night after no sleep just laid in bed wired and my brain would be I'm just a druggie people think skegs this skegs that but deep down I'm just someone who takes drugs and now I can't get out of bed or I'm too nervous to speak to anyone or you know I'm just wrecking my life and I think some of my earliest content, what I ever did, and one of my main bugbears, I've had so many arguments. It's been someone, I've never been a massive drinker. I was a binge drinker or a problem drinker. I had, I had an issue with drugs when I was younger, with pills especially. I have an issue with people who... So I think a lot of people's marker, and again, it's about being British and being conditioned, but something's legal, something's illegal. So that's your judgment is formed around whether it's legal or illegal. So, alcohol's legal. Drugs are illegal. Alcohol's okay. We know it's got some bad sides to it. We know it can cause problems, but it's alcohol. And everyone does it, so that's all right. And it's legal. Drugs are illegal. So drugs are bad. And anyone that takes drugs is bad. You're bad. If you take drugs, you're bad. You're a scumbag. What we've learned now, and especially since social media and all that, is actually... I would argue that alcohol is far worse than 
bar the top end, the, the crack and the heroin and all that, fundamentally, alcohol is hands down worse than anything. I've had arguments with people about it, and I'm like, you're basically saying, because you can, like you just said, you can go to the pub, you can go into Rotherham and someone sign Weatherspoons at half past eight in the morning. If I started drinking again at a weekend, no one would bat an eyelid. Yeah. If I started sniffing coke again at a weekend, everyone would be like, I feel yeah. you are. And why is that? that exactly. Why is that? The, uh, Exactly, and and again, we're going back to the culture thing. Yeah. The, the, this 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 ingrained culture um, of 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 how it's perceived. I told you, I, I think we spoke about this on the last podcast, right? But I told you a story about a guy, and I think it was you. I told a guy who buys alcohol from the corner shop at Kivo, right? And I used to drive from Kivo to Todwick every morning to pick my kids up or to take them to school, right? And this one guy. Nine o'clock, quarter to nine in the morning, half eight, quarter to nine. I'd seen, it looked very rough first few times I saw him. And he'd be like stumbling across the road into this shop and getting his bags full of super strength lager and he'd stumble back up. Over the months, I noticed a deterioration in him through to a point where he's on a Zimmer frame and he's, he's just going out into the road without even looking and he's going into the shop and the game and And then to a point where He's just stood at the other side of the road. He's got cuts all over his face where he's been falling over. Looked more or less like homeless. Don't tell me shopkeepers are coming out. Shopkeepers and coming out. Wow. Now, th- there's two sides to this. I've got. I'm not defending anyone, but what I'm saying is, there's the morals. This is what I'm saying about morals and legality. You just said if he, if that was someone selling him smack on that corner at nine o'clock in the morning, people would be like. Why the fuck is there a bloke getting smacked brought to him on a corner? It's killing him. You can see it's killing him. This guy, I swear, nobody battered an eyelid. I can see him dying month after month. The guy's dying and he's getting to a point where he can't even function. He can't even move his body to get what he needs. And that, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying about defending people from their, from their perspective, if you think about it, are they doing out wrong? To me and you, they are. But no. it, it, in the letter of the law, they're saying, this is him, it's up to him what he does, he drinks, he wants alcohol, he's not well enough to get into the shop, so I'm going to go and take it to him, he wants to buy it. But actually, I'm saying, I've watched him, <laughs> he's dying, he's dying a slow death, slow painful death, maybe you might be just easing it for him, I don't know, point being is, change the substance, that's, that's a big it. issue. And it changes the perception, yeah. and that perception, again... Um, it, it, it is baked into us somewhere. I don't know where it's baked into us, but it's baked into us somewhere. And I think it's unfortunate. And by the way, people think that that by me saying this, some people uh, have a perception that, that I'm trying to promote the use of drugs or negate the use of alcohol, right? When that's not what I'm doing at all. What I'm saying is, it's on the level playing field of the fact that it can cause severe harm through misuse. Absolutely. You think about it, and it, too much of anything can fuck you up. And that's what brings us back to the point is, just because one thing's legal, the reason why it's legal is because it's taxed the fuck. Yeah, completely. And the vast majority of the people in the world still drink alcohol. And the people, the powers that make these rules and these guidelines that we're supposed to abide, if someone drinks alcohol and they use it regularly, are they likely to demonise it and 
make it seem worse for us. No, they're not going to want to reflect on themselves and go, I know this is really bad, so I'm going to do this, but actually I really enjoy doing it. They're less inclined to do that, aren't they? It was the same with smoking and we've gone through that big culture shift with smoking where the people realised there was a massive campaign by the big smoking companies to com- to make the government convince us that there's nothing wrong with it until it got to a point where we're like, we know you're lying, we know it's killing us, <laughs> let's get this not so normal. I don't think we'll get to that point, and certainly not in our lifetimes, where alcohol's going to be as demonised as smoking is, and I do think there is still some quality aspects to it, but for me, if something's killing someone, I, I've got my mates at minute that alcohol's slowly killing. I can see it in front of me. It's irrelevant to me whether he's taking heroin or alcohol. What's the, the point is, is he's dying, slow, painful death. And something's helping him get that way. <laughs> totally. Something that they can totally. go to 10 shops in Kivo and buy. Totally. And, and it, what you just mentioned there, I, I can't fully recall the exact words that you said. Um, but but I, I, I get it, right? Alcohol is a brilliant social lubricant. Give everyone a glass of Prosecco after wedding reception's done. People are a bit more chatty. People are a bit more eased off, right? I get it, right? And I, and, and I, and I am not... You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not knocking that side of it. You know, all I'm here to do is to explain that some people can get in really sticky situations with it, as well as other substances. And alcohol is just one of them substances. I miss the the the, the concept you just spoke about, that aspect of drinking. I genuinely miss that. I went to a, a barbecue with Jasmine's family last weekend, and we got there in the afternoon, red hot. Out in beautiful garden, no end of alcohol there. Prosecco popping every everything. Ice cold bucket, ice, ice cold beers. I wanted to drink. I want. I wanted to drink. And th- what you just spoke about that situation. You're meeting new people. It's all a bit nervy, and you're a bit on edge, and all that. A couple of drinks. You don't give a shit. You'll speak to anyone. You'll si- you'll go and sit with people you've never met before, and all that. Yep. I miss that aspect of it and that effect of it but then then if you fast forward eight hours and some of the same people are stumbling falling all over and some are spewing up and so or next morning you're waking up with dehydrated head banging being sick and all that and i i can't promise myself that i'd be able to just have two or three proseccos and then and what you what you're stating there and and is is again all comes down to this the price of the ticket right of like mm. i i've i have honestly like looked very deeply into that feeling what you're talking about right so that sense right i've tried to sit with that as 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 finely as i can when it arises right because um I felt that and I fully get what you're saying. And in those moments, I've gone, right, what is this, right? What What is it what I'm actually missing, right? What is it what I feel that it is that I'm missing, right? And I honestly think it is the shared experience, right? Because it, it, say, for example, you went and played golf with your mates, but you didn't play. You just walked with them while they played golf, you'd be feeling the exact same feeling as you do when you go to a party and don't drink. 
you would feel the same feeling. Mm. While you were walking around with them playing golf and watching them play and you just stood and watched, you would feel like, oh, you know, maybe I'll have a swing, right? And that's it. It's the fact that when we go to a concert and we feel the music together, when you go and watch football and you experience that roar together, it's the shared experience. And I think that's what we're really missing when we go to a party Absolutely. and everyone's drinking. And I, do you know what? I, I had a reflection at that party as well, and I said this in my, one of my meetings last week. I, I were, we were there for like six, seven hours. So it was a long day. And I'm like, I've got this quandary. I'm like, the people that are drinking are having their experience. And I know you'd have your, you'd have your own experience depending on who you are, like your personal experience, whether you're drinking or not. But I'm here, they're here. They're having the experience they're having. I'm having the experience that I'm having. They look visibly like they're having more fun than me and like they're getting more out of it. I'm getting what I'm getting out of it. If I had one drink of what they're drinking, it changes my experience fundamentally and the way I perceive. So is this... Is this and good- also, right now, if you did do that, none of that would be positive either. No, no. But so so no. we almost try and sell it to us. Sorry to interrupt you, but You're right. we're almost like... We think that the outcome's going to be better than it would be because we're trying <laughs> to weirdly sell it to ourselves. And actually, mate, if you did have a, have a beer... That, that, then, that then get ready, mate. Because, yeah, I know. because you know, I know, like, you know, you, you know, the, the, what comes with that, you know, and, and again, just on the reality of it, not further down the line, you know, right, so my best mate, Berger, right, we've, 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 we've got into this in depth, yeah, right? So Berger would look, he, he would love to have a beer with me, yeah, right? And I get it, right? Again, it's that shared experience. I want to play golf with my mate again, like we used to, right? That, that's what he misses. He loves me and I love him, right? But we've not played golf together for a while and, and, and he'd love to have a game of golf with me. That, that's, that's how he feels, yeah? And I get it, right? Now, I look at that and say, right, okay, let, let's say if I had that beer in front, what would I be doing it for? And I can't have an answer for that mm. other than just be having one with you. Because what I get out of that beer ain't nothing what I want. What, get, what mm. I get from that beer ain't nothing what I need. So the only reason I would want one with you is to have one with you. Yeah, yeah. As a standalone. And that's what, it's exactly, my point what I was going to make is, is that event what I were out of date? Is it a good event or is the alcohol making it a good event for them? If we were all here sober, what would the experience be? I reckon everyone would have two or three hours and, and have a bite to eat and then get off. But alcohol's changing. And I get alcohol changes situations, but... The, if the event is an ordinary event, it's okay. But it's nothing more than okay. But because I haven't drank a substance, my what I get from that event is, yeah, it's all right, but I'm ready to get off. Whereas a couple of glasses of Prosecco, I'm blending in, I'm talking, I'm interacting, I'm chatting, banter's flowing, I'm having fun with kids, and everything just seems to fall into place and make more sense. But actually, who's getting the true reality of that experience like it's a bit deep but my point my point being is 
that it, we're at the same thing. We're going through it together, but they've got a liquid of something in bottom of it. Yeah. And I have, I've got just a liquid on its own, and it, we're getting completely different. And, and again, I, I, and, I, and I'm sorry to keep throwing it back to culture, but I, and again, this is only my opinion, by the way. Yeah. Right? I don't know none of this for certain. I, what Everything I say on this podcast is my opinion, right? I, I don't know the science of it. I don't know nothing of it. But um, I've lost my train of thought there. So you were talking about... Like the experience, um, the experience, and like my thoughts about yeah, and, it, and, and you've been there, and I'm not doing it. Oh my god! Sorry, sorry. Right, chill your right, beans, right. mate. Um, oh mate, I probably jumped off track here. <laughs> oh no! We're talking about the culture aspect of it. Aren't yeah, we? that's what you want right. about culture. Yeah. Right, I've got it. Thank God. Right, I'm back to it. Right, so if everyone at that party was comfortable socially without alcohol, you'd all be fine, right? It comes from this, and and, and by the way, this is just normal. Like 90% of people are not great with social gatherings, right? That's just the bottom line. I think as human nature, as social beings as we actually are, I think that the majority, myself included, always included, mixed in somewhere, we're just a bit socially inept, yeah. right? And, and and alcohol is a great thing just to... But that's my point, what I'm making is, that's exactly my point. It's, it's, it's like, you're, saying, you're saying, let's be honest, if we weren't drinking, the majority of us wouldn't be sat talking, or we wouldn't be mixing, we'd be like... <laughs> And yeah, it, and, and the whole, oh, you know, you know, you know, whatever. Great to see you. How you know. are you? Yeah, how's everything going? How's yeah. the family? And all that. Yeah. You know, the, the, this, the, 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 you know, the, the drinking aspect of it comes from. Do you know what? If we all have a bit of a drink, we'll just have a bit of a better time, right? Because, and again, it's not because we need it. It's because I think, you know, there's just like a, there's just this, you know, so social. Do you, do you think? Drinkers want to be around drinkers. So, Jasmine made a point when we went to this, and I, I want to be clear here, because it's going out public as well, I am not demonising anyone, or I'm not criticising drinking, and I'm certainly not criticising the party that we're out of today, because it were a brilliant event, and I, I really enjoyed being there. Jasmine said, you need to bring some zero beers with you, because it, it, there'll be a lot of alcohol there. And she said, there'll be a lot of Prosecco there. And it... Then some of them know you don't drink, but that, to make you feel welcome, which I think is a, a really nice thing that they want you to be, feel like you're being looked after, so they want to make sure you've got drinks and food and all that. We got there, we walked in, and we had kids, so me, Jasmine, and, and my two girls. We got in there, and we like got over towards Bounty Castles and put kids' bag down up floor and all that. Turned round, and someone had already stuck a glass of Prosecco in Jasmine's hand before we'd even like said hello to anyone. She were like, there were there were a glass of prosecco there. Now, first part is it what a lovely gesture and it made you feel welcome. But it's also like, have one of them. <laughs> yeah, again, again, like you know, because that person, nothing, that person, not nothing wrong. It feels like what should be done. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and and, and again, fear of people. I'm not not judging at all. But no, my of po- course my not. Point, no, my point, no, yeah, be, my not. point being is, it were like. We'd not even breathed or spoke to anyone or introduced or shook an hand or it were like, bang, there you go. And I'm like, that's a powerful thing. And then a really poignant thing, I mentioned it, but fruit day, I kept hearing Prosecco bottles popping. And I'm like, 
this is loads of alcohol, man. Do you know what I mean? And again, it, it's, people are enjoying the relaxing sunshine and that's their way of enjoying it. But I, I think I, I really... It was fascin- it's a party, isn't it? It's a fascinating... Yeah, it's it, fascinating yeah. to reflect on, like, people's personal... And, it, and again, it, a cultural thing. I think we could do a bloody podcast just on <laughs> on British alcohol culture. Anyway, we need to move on. Um, I wanted to talk... There's, there's quite a bit more to go through. I wanted to talk a little bit about... And I, bearing in mind, I'd like to cut this up and use, like, mini clips of it and stuff like that. I spoke a little bit about when I when I've been out into schools and talking to kids about drugs and alcohol and, and also really important to reflect on the good times and the fun times as well as the doom and gloom and the misery of what's forthcoming. What are some of the craziest experiences you've had, like mad stories or stuff with your friends, either drunk or on drugs or both? In, in what sense? So, so, I can, so, I can, so, so basically... So positive, negative... Yeah, no, what? like a fun... Like, tell, tell me, like, some mad experiences that you've had. Like, if someone were to listen to it and, like... You, you, to, you told me some on your last ones, but, like, some... If I think about some of the craziest things I've done with my mates, you know, like at parties and stuff like that, because I think if I was a young person listening to it and it were, uh, listened to this and it was all very yeah, doom I mean, and gloom like, and yeah, very so, thing... So, I've, yeah, yeah, I mean, so, so like, you know, obviously I've been massively into rave scene, right? And obviously, for me, the, you know, half the party really started once, once, once the grave were done and <laughs> you'd end up wherever you end up, right? In some strange... Yeah, you know, all like, all like, you know, we, we, so it, a funny one, we, we were at a mate's and uh, perfectly good living room, yeah, perfectly good living room, so we're like, yeah, all, all there getting deep conversations, do you know what I mean, like full on, you know, I, I were a proper chatter me, like in the peak stage, I was like a deep, deep chatter, I, I would like. Why does it get so, this? why does it get so deep? Yeah, like, some, yeah. Some, and, but, some, but the thing is as well, as much as I loved all them conversations, can't remember not, nothing about them, <laughs> do you know what I mean? don't know what we're talking about, all I knew it meant to me, do you know what I mean, at the time. Uh, so anyway, we're on living room, perfectly good living room. But then we're like, do you know what? Fuck it, boys, right? Steve, you've got your van outside, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. Fuck it. We all went upstairs, t- stripped off double mattress, pulled double mattress downstairs, shoved it in back at van and carried on session in back at van. <laughs> so perfectly good living room. We're all there sat in back at van, chatting deep. Like, hey, do you realise we're all sat in a van right now? Whoa. <laughs> You know, and then we all got out, carried mattress out of the van, and then we all just walked around the village reading newspapers and that, and we all just thought we were mad as hell. Even we're just walking around the village. Do you know what I mean? You know, but but yeah, in that stage, this is mad. This isn't it, boys? Mad, yeah, this is crackers. This isn't it, boys? And you, you think uh, it brings us back to something we were talking about earlier about these are experiences you're probably not going to get to that level of consciousness if you're sober and altogether sober. You're certainly not going to be doing anything as daft as that, but you know the feelings, what you get out of it. Yeah. Like what you just said, if you said to someone who didn't understand about it, they'd be like, you did what? You got a mattress and sat in the back of a van and all like, what? Yeah, yeah what? The, what yeah. The, yeah, to yeah, you yeah, guys, exactly, it yeah. Like, it, it, and again, like the shared experience, like it were all mad as stones because we're all on the same level. Oh, this is crazy, right? And and like, you know, <laughs> th- th- that had just happened every single weekend in other forms, you know what I mean? Of, of craziness, do you know what I mean? We'll go out and, uh, you know, I remember once we were, uh, we were all like, right, I know what? You know, like you have these mad ideas. Why, why don't we like go canoeing? Do you know what I mean? Let, let's let, let's <laughs> let's get let's get a, a let's get a uh, what pedlo booked for for Rother Valley next day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, boys, yeah, yeah. Looked into it. Do you know what I mean? We're all on site. You know what I mean? Yeah, getting this pedlo booked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, boys, yeah, definitely, mate. Literally, oh, set on it. Oh, then... set on it, mate. It gets to half eight in the morning. Everyone's not saying nothing to no one. Can't even look anyone in the eyes. Now, nah, now nah, we'll leave that pedlo into one side, boys. <laughs> 
I've just thought about. I, I remember once my mate had, had my mate had, had some coke or something. Pub, and I'd not seen him for ages, and he was like, "Tomorrow, well, have kids. Who kids? Do you want to meet for some dinner? And we'll meet for Sunday dinner, and we'll take kids to a play centre, and blah blah blah. This time over. In the morning, I messaged him. I'm like, still want to go? And he's like, what? Like, yeah, no, but and you're, you're so passionate about... That's it, Listen, what I mean about these... Exp- especially yeah. where drugs are concerned. You yeah. really like getting to this... You're fully convinced that your yeah. state of mind then is absolute, isn't it? You yeah, really... totally, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you bet your house on you going pedaling next day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, mate, honestly, I'll be there, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, God. I'm uh, just thinking, oh, mate... It, it, I, and I, I think if you've never... I think alcohol was like it'll get you to a certain point but the drugs is an extension on it yeah some of the mindsets and experiences and the situations you find yourself in yeah where you had no idea you were going to be where you are doing what you do and you were going to be feeling and, how and, you and felt you probably wouldn't have ended up now you would if you would planned it it wouldn't be the yeah, situation de- definitely not and 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 this is you know like I, i'm almost glad that i got it out of my system i'm almost glad that like I always said to people, I kicked, I had a good kick at ball. I kicked it that hard, I broke my foot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's what I say. Do you know what I mean? And, I, and I'm I, like, I'm glad that I kicked it. And you feel it. like you've filled your boots. And you've, I, I've, you've I've got, got as it. much out of it as I can ever get out of it. And I, I think, do you know, like being other side at fence now and being the way you were and then being sober now. And I used to look back when I, when I was first learning about sobriety, I used to look back on all my experiences very negatively because I used to think about all the, the bad times and the bad aspects of it. But now, being four years sober, when I reflect on my partying and some of the mad things I did, I don't look at it and be like, no. what the fuck were I doing? I'm it's, actually like... It's, it's melancholy, isn't yeah. it? It's almost like... It's almost like... Um, it, it, like I've, I, I've, 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 I'll be honest, mate, I've like wept about it. Do you mm. know what I mean? I've wept about like... You know, how grateful I am that I had them experiences, you know, and, and were able to come out of a side of it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I, I think being sober allows you, because you've kind of, you've not disconnected from it, but you've, you, you identify it as another phase of your life. And that was then, this is now. And it gives you the comfort to be able to look back and not, not be like, God, what were I doing? You're like... Yeah, you know, I, yeah, was, I mean, you know, yeah, book, I mean, yeah, it was mad as toast, and I'm, but, but my God, I'm glad, I'm glad to have, you know, I'm glad to have, have got out of it, you know, because you know, like I said, the, the, the like w- 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 when when the waves go while it's going, but once it fully arcs over and crashes into yeah, the sea, I, do you know what I mean? And I think again, we spoke a lot last time about what happens after and when the good times become less, and the, it becomes like the mental health aspect and all that. Yeah, and I think part of your journey is being able to, if you've got the comfort of being able to know you've managed to get away from it, if you're still in that loop, I think it's, for me, other people might be different, but I'd find it difficult to reflect on it positively when I'm still in a similar, and I I know people get older and you don't necessarily do the things you're doing then, but if you're not necessarily detached from it. Yeah, as you say, initially, you know, initially it was all like, like, like you said, the whole it's like a grieving process of like you know what have I done you know like I've ruined my life you know like <laughs> you know will yeah. I ever be the same again do you know what I mean and, and w- w- you know what am I going to do right and then once once you get out of the woods uh, and you've managed to you know like get your house in order then you can then you can start you know thinking back and think 
you know, as, as much as I ain't going back, you know, yeah. you can think, you know what? You can uh, see the, the good and the positive aspects of what you did as opposed to just looping over the negative. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a very similar... I, I think about how I was then... When I, when I was younger and I was taking drugs every weekend and I was massively into DJing and my music and all that, the person that I was then is so far detached from who I am now. Like, we'd have a set of decks and a, a, a generator and some speakers and a couple of flashy lights and we'd be like, where are we having a rave today? We're finding somewhere and we're going to have a rave and we're going to get off his head. I remember once... That's still happening, by the way, all over, which is... And, and, and yeah, this is what yeah. it, people... Your experience is your experience, and some people are doing that, and it's a positive added a positive. Uh, it's a positive effect on the life, and they're getting lots out of it. I once I think I DJed at Uprising at Sheffield on all nighter, all completely off our heads. Got back to back. I said, "Right, everyone back to my house." My mum was in. I'm like, "Mum, can we have a party?" She was like, "My mum was like, yeah, just like try and not be too noisy." Six <laughs> o'clock in the morning, decks out on side, two big speakers. 30 people in the living room, vinyl, mixing, six hours, seven hours at it all day. Off the cuff, no planning, no finger, proper party. Everyone buzzing, like, it's fucking eight o'clock in the morning and we're in someone's front room dancing to this banging music and we're all <laughs> proper, like, experiencing this thing. Like you just said, it weren't planned, it were off the cuff. <laughs> How were we doing this? And it were minute, yeah. and you're getting loads out of it. Yeah. And me and I, it's a struggle for me I've got a gig this weekend. I'm already like, what time is it on? Am I going to be tired? Well, I, I need to, what, I don't want to drink coffee too late and uh, well, I have a bar of chocolate on my way there, but then I don't want to be able to not sleep. When I, and I think, then it were like, we did it, we did it once. We wanted to have decks on field. We'd been off a Z all night. We'd have decks on field. Mum were having a party on field sound. We ain't got a table to put decks on. Me and my brother carrying my mum's brand new dining table out of living room, sticky in the middle <laughs> of a muddy field, decks on, party all day. Yes. This is an example of like what was normal then. But I don't want to spin it straight back to the negative aspects, but what you said a second ago, I want people to be listening to this to be able to get the fun parts of it, but also on ref- like when we reflect, and if I had any learning points for people, there's people who are my age who were doing that with us back then that are still doing it now. So I'm 40 this year, and... I'm not saying all oh, that's a young person's game, but I, I, I definitely think that it's something if you can do and get get it out of your system. It's important to know like these good times that I think, and you said it yourself. It's a time. There's a time. time it's on a shelf shelf life essentially. Isn't it? You're gonna totally. have, you're gonna have you're gonna have your fill, and then you're gonna realize like, life has to happen at some point. That you know, at some point, the the sun comes up. You know, yeah, and and it and it's and it's and and what's happening during this time, which I don't regret anything I've ever done in my life. But if I, it, and again, this is not a base of regret. It's yeah. it's just a pure knowledge of of at some point the sun comes up, and when it does come up, what's been happening during all this, you know, great times as such as such, yeah, which are memorable awesome experiences that I'd never changed for the world, that has come at a price. That has come at a price of not securing my life, building genuine relationships, maybe finding a partner that I'm going to be with for a a, a prolonged amount of time, being able to put my time and effort into a career that I love passionately. 
right? And being able to like enjoy the relationships with my family on a deeper level, yeah? Those things are just shelved while you're doing all that, right? So there, there is a cost. and Yeah, the massive cost. Now, I'm not like, anyone can do it. And I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying what I'm saying is that there is dark days with it. And what I'm saying is mm. you, 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 you're actually, you're actually, you're just delaying it. You're delaying what I believe to be the true nature of what our lives should be like, which is a more grounded, calmer, mm. deeper connected sense with our own personality and the people that we love. And I don't think that, getting mash-up helps achieve that. A common story with a lot of people, especially in the online community when I'm putting my videos out on TikTok and all that, a lot of people are struggling to escape the party culture or even the local drinking culture, the lad culture per se. If someone's listening to this today, what we've just reflected on there is I think if you're younger and you don't have any kids and you don't have any bills to pay really and you're living that free lifestyle, but like you said, at some point, reality is going to phase in. If you're a, if you're a person who's late 20s, early 30s, even into 40s or whatever, that's still in the middle of this culture, but you know, you know, you know underneath it, you know that you shouldn't be doing it, but you can't get the common story, what I hear is, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know that this isn't right for me, but I'm that deeply ingrained in it. So I'm the 40-odd-year-old guy that sat in someone's front room or stood in someone's kitchen at six in the morning with a load of younger people, music's on and everybody's sniffing, and I'm here. And my son's been up for years, son's been man. Up. My, my missus and, I've got missus and kids at home. I've got bills to pay. I've been missing work. Everything's... And, 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 and I think this is what, on reflection... If someone was listening to this, a takeaway from it really is either trying, where, where is the point where you identify like, I've had my fill here, but also if you pass that and maybe it's addiction, but you're at this point where you're like, I need to take some action. What could we say to people like that? I honestly think that, that you know, that the, the only thing you can say at that point, and, I, and I'm, and I'm, what I'm about to say comes in reflection to what Jordan Peterson points at is is to actually consciously say, and 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 this happened with my own self in regards to me getting sober was, if I keep doing what I'm doing, where am I going to end up? Right? Versus, what would happen if I actually, actually, physically pull pull myself together? And what could potentially come from that? Now, all what I expected from that and all I wanted from that was a bit of peace of mind, a bit of clarity, right? A bit of structure, right? That's all I really wanted because I had none of that. Very simple yeah, fundamentals. That's it. Now, the need for that became more than what I knew would 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 continue, which was the same. There's nothing new that comes from it, right? There's, 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 you know, there's nothing new that comes from it. There's no more memories that can be made. There's, no, you know, there's no more deep. That's a massive point. Know. So, th- therefore, the choice of, of actually 
that deep like screaming like I need to sort this out because I need some structure and some peace of mind and some clarity outweighed it and then and this is where like the first initial work comes in is stepping away stepping away now that's your family right quote unquote this sesh life this getting mash up is my friend right so when you step away from a friend that hurts and it hurts to be away from that comfortable thing but you've got to know if you are in that position where that heads and, and because you already know that that, that that's mm. the known like you know where that's heading and that's nowhere quick <laughs> right yeah but what you are what you don't really know that you're edging towards but you want is a bit of clarity a bit of peace of mind a bit of structure where you actually feel you've got a grasp on your own life and what comes from that and what you what you project what you think you were going to get out of it completely smashes through the ceiling but you've got to do the work to get to that point and and and, and first foremost is is stepping away st- dropping contact you know, bit of self-care, bit of self-time, yeah. Stepping away, and if you think about this from a psychological perspective, what you just said is bang on. Even though you know, deep down, the vast majority of people you're interacting with in this party lifestyle and party situation, would they be, would they be a deep friend and a, a proper go-to person if you both weren't partying and on drugs or drinking? Probably not. The majority of the interactions and the people you have, they might be mates, but they're not necessarily friends. It's a massive barrier stepping away from it. Take away the partying and the drugs and the drinking or whatever to step away from people that you know and you've spent a lot of time with is a massive barrier. I think a lot of pressure, people have a perception of that lifestyle and you have your experience. Stepping away from people is a massive thing. Also, the excitement. So if you think about a typical night out, say I'll, I'll just do a proper stereotypical impression. Say a lad in Kivo is 35 and he, he goes to station, to pub and drinks. And then goes, to, uh, goes somewhere and drinks at a station, has, has eight pints, has a couple of double vodkas. Someone says, I'm having a party back at our house. He's got a decision to make or she's got a decision to make. I'm just saying it, I'm just doing a stereotype. He's got a decision to make. I can I have a go home? And at the same time as I told my missus, I'm going to go home. So I'll be there. She'll be happy. I'll wake up in the morning. I'll feel a bit fuzzy. I might have an hangover, but kids on the home there. Or I'm going to go back to such and such as Joe Bloggs' house and we're going to have a session. The excitement of the pull of that. So you know there's probably going to be a load of coke there. There's going to be some music on. Everyone's going to be dancing, having a fun time and all that. That in itself was a standalone thing, the the draw of the excitement. And this is what alcohol, with alcohol, you, you're striving for the fervorment of, of what your experience is. I'm pissed, what's next? What's next? How do I get higher? What's next? Whether it's drugs, birds, music, there's something to pull you. And I think a massive barrier for people stopping and pulling away. So you said pulling away is pulling away is difficult, but also... There's something to, like, do I go home and be like, I don't, do I want to go home? I don't want to go home. I want to go and party. I want to go and party. So I want to go and do it, and it's going to be good, and it's going to be exciting. So as an experience, pulling away from that and 
trying to change it. So it's either, for me, our, I'm going to stop going at pub. I'm going to stop being with our mates who I'll drink with. Some people try to phase it in where they're good at pub and they're going to drink, but they're not going to do after party. Or they're going to moderate. They're going to have three or four. Then they're going to get a takeaway. Then they're going to go home. But to try and pull away from the excitement and all that, for me, I, I think I'm interested Very in this difficult. concept of someone becoming someone getting further into adult life, being surrounded by younger people and being stuck in this same loop. Time's ticking, life's moving forward. Like you just said, kids are getting older, Mrs. Mrs. is getting more and more fed up with your behaviour patterns, but you can't pull away from this thing. And what I wanted to reflect on as well is the thing you spoke about when the sun comes up, the excitement of it's half past 12 and we're going to leave this pub with a bag full of beer, we're going to get some coke and we're going to go back to this house and we're going to have a party... First few hours is like, did everyone's chewing everyone's ear off talking about bloody worldwide politics and current affairs and and you feel deep, like you're getting deep, somewhere yeah, and it all makes sense and it's all right meaningful and you oh god yeah god man hugging everyone and it's all that thing yeah when that sun comes up and reality is that's hard enough when you're 18 and you've got no fucking worries <laughs> if you're reaching 40 there's there's no words for that and the psychological there's no words trauma there's no words for and that. this is what I want if someone was going to start taking drugs at 16 they need to know that a possible outcome is that if you're still doing it at 40 what what effects that's having on you psychologically is tra- a lot of it is trauma if you're if you're a bloke who's been letting your missus and your kids down week after week month after month year after year and you find yourself in that situation again. Every individual experience of that. So when you're sat in someone's living room at six in the morning and you're, you've not been home, you haven't let your missus know where you are, kids are waking up without you, you're on a massive come down, you've waxed all your money. And, and, and again, the cost of that. So uh, you're literally trading your family and your connectedness you to your family for that. Right, and and I'm sorry, I don't. What care. is sorry? What is that? What is it? What 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 are you doing? Uh, well, you're not what, even doing anything. Yeah, this is what I mean. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So 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 you trading it you, like for an invisible no end, no yeah the, uh, no it, the, physical. The, it, there's nothing good to come of it. Right now, it might feel good at the time, but again, as we know, it, it never ends well <laughs> when you all wake up and you all feel. You don't go like right. It's end at session. That one minute, I proper loved it. I'll catch you all next week. It's... <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, we, I, I had this. Ex, we had this experience where, and I'm sure in my age here, but Uprising used to sell tapes, and everyone got into that rave music by listening to Uprising tapes. But with a tape player, we'd go back to an after party. You press play on Uprising tape, and it'd be 45 minutes per side. So we get to 45 minutes, listen to it. Well, like, oh, I'm seeing along with it and dancing along and all that. And it tapes ran out. Someone stand up and turn tape of it. Press. Stop, eject, turn the tape over, put it back in, press play, or put a different one in. So every 45 minutes, some party's going. When it gets to 8 o'clock in the morning, and everyone's like wired and all energy's gone out of the room, and everyone's sat stuck to sofas, tape will run out, and somebody will be like, Who's getting up to turn the tape over? And they'll be like, And like, it's there, <laughs> tape's like two meters away, and everyone's like, No, fuck that, man, you do it. No, you do it. And all of a sudden, you've gone from this euphoric experience where it all makes this this music and this MC and all makes perfect sense and it's taken to another dimension to the point where no one's even got energy to stand it, it up it makes me feel sick mate 
Like, you know, like the, like what you was saying there. How contrast is that from, say, if uh, that's a six-hour experience? It, it, it makes me feel nearly be sick. <laughs> like, it really, because it makes me feel sick because, you know, there's nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse than that. that. You know, like in terms of like, well, I mean, there is, but I mean, it, it, in regards to that feeling. No, but you, if you're in that no, position, no, yeah. that ta- you know you've been in that position at that time. This is what I said. Trauma might but, have but, sounded but like you, an you, hard you, word. Your conscious brain starts, even at them times, saying how mad that is that four hours ago you're all bouncing off at walls and now you're not, right? This internal dialogue, you know. I mean, it's the horrors there. I mean, you're getting into the horrors there. I, th- I think trauma is a very relevant word, me, because... Your experience has gone from. If you looked at it, if someone was studying, if someone were watching cameras of what were going off in that room and they were like, right, it's 12 o'clock, music's on full blast, everyone's dancing around, everyone's laughing, joking, hugging, shaking hands, drinking beer, sharing drinks, sniffing coke, whatever. And then fast forward to 6 a.m., music's on rate low, no one, everyone's like melting and everyone's like, is it is a time piece, is a standalone time piece, an experience? It's pretty bizarre. If you're a, a, a young person that's growing into adulthood, experiencing this on a weekly basis, the deep-rooted psychological effect of this compounded. So week after, this is what you just reminded me of something like that, that. You just reminded me of something. Like I don't really want to finish what you go. So when I got sober, right? So bear in mind, obviously, I started my sort of like hard-hitting party lifestyle probably maybe like twenty. 21-ish, something like that, yeah, right? So, like, my known... Yeah, no, it might have been 1920, something like that. I can't remember the exact year of it. Um, This this up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, which was self-induced, right? Um, When I got sober for the first time, and, and, I, and, I, and I was like, right, you know, and I felt truly what it felt like to be grounded and level, get this, man, I didn't even know that you could feel sustainly all right. So that I didn't know that you could progressively have a feeling of of of, <laughs> of calmness that went on past a week or a two weeks. I was I, I thought that adult life was being depressed, absolutely mashed up, <laughs> depressed, absolutely mad, depressed, absolutely manic, right? I thought that was gen- like so. So to come into a world of like, oh wait one sec, there's a whole plethora r- of adults out there that have a sustained feeling of being calm, relaxed. It, life comes as curveballs, but this general baseline, I'm all right. I didn't even know that existed or was possible. If you think about that as a whole, what you just said, what you're saying is, as a human being, you didn't know that you could feel okay. Just being you without putting any external objects. Yeah, or, or for a any, sustained. Yeah, pop. but but it, it, even without that, I I I I I thought that that was what life was. I thought that everyone on the planet felt like death on a Monday, right? I just thought, and, that, and people are just existing and and doing whatever they can to get through. Yeah, yeah. Life. But, but but then you realise, oh, on a sec, Jesus, wow, you know. <laughs> That was me. Do you know what I mean? And that was like a, a collection of people. And actually, you know, it, you know, it is possible to have your life together. It is possible to feel sustainably well for a long period of time. 
It is possible to have some structure. It is possible to have savings. It is possible to have a life where you can have a genuine connection with a human being that isn't sustained on a substance or or anything else. It is possible to have a life which can be built through a natural sense of being alive. And I didn't know it was possible. It blends as lovely into what I had next on my list, actually. I wanted to talk about sobriety and why you went into it. What you just said, I think, is so like it's so powerful. Because imagine people not knowing that. I think, if I had to guess, the majority of people, what in this, say, for use Britain, I think the majority of people fit, fall into the category that you spoke about before. I think the majority of people do not feel happy with normal life and have to do something to alter their state of mind whether it be drinking coffee, drinking alcohol, abusing themselves in some way, not that they're necessarily always about abusing themselves, but actually being experiencing things naturally and doing things how we were meant to, you can find peace and happiness. You said yourself, there's a lot of variables in life. Things happen that change people's circumstances that can... Yeah, and I, I'm still working on myself. I, 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 I'm not saying that I'm this in this Zen Buddhist monk position at all but what I'm saying is it's a hell of a big contrast you're, you're in a very different life situation compared to a few years black ago black and white yeah. black and white and and the, the the whole like knowing both outcomes was was it for me like so like the whole like devil came to my door scenario is 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 so true like literally if you're gonna say like the devil came to my door in regards to deep, deep knowledge of if I don't pull myself together, this ain't going to end well at all. And not only that, I'm going to know that it was me that put myself there, right? Or on the flip side, and I think this is very difficult for people that that have been in, in more harsher life scenarios than I have, because I, I at least had a sniff of what a good life could possibly be. Of course. Right? Which I think helped, you know, uh, because to some degree you've got to know what you can get when you really dig your heels in, right? And that is like, you know, if you are listening to this and, and you don't even know what that is, it's just a true grounded sense of your own self and the people that you love and also a sense of that your life is worth something that's worth working towards. And that and that needs to be known as well as the other way. So so you have to say, right, and and I'll say this to 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 my last day in, on, on this planet, that the choice was easy because I had HD vision of both outcomes. One being you're going to, you know, literally, I would end up a bum on the street, family relinquished, jobless, penniless, and a dismantlation of a career what I loved, right? If I carried on doing what I was doing and weren't able to control myself, or actually, you know, the possibility of being grounded in my own personality, smashing it with my career because actually I love it and that's what I want to do, been connected with my family on a level that I never even knew existed 
and been able to build a relationship with a partner that I never even knew that a girl was like that in reality. And there's no way I'd be with my partner right now if it, if, if I'd not got sober. No way. No way. Not a chance. Listening to you explain your, your circumstances and you, you like your route into sobriety, you clearly took ownership of your situation. Now, one thing that I'm focusing on with some of the people I work with, I think and I, I've never been an addict per se, so I don't understand it from personal experience, but many people who I work with or come to my sessions and explain the situation, they struggle to grasp it's their situation. Now, I know if someone's had a traumatic childhood, if they've been abused or whatever as a kid, that you just said yourself, we've had tastes of a good life before we chose to do whatever we do. Some people are like, things are that bad that they, are, they feel like a temporary escape via drugs or alcohol or whatever, self-harm is a very worthwhile thing to do because it allows them to escape from some pretty horrible things. But whatever your situation, taking responsibility and ownership of your situation. So some people might come to me and say, my missus this, work that, kids stressing me out, not had enough sleep. And it, it seems to be this person, that person, them, this happened, that happened. Part of, I know you're a big Goggins man yourself, but part of my experience from Goggins is whether you're black, brown, white, gay, lesbian, trans, fat, thin, anything, you're all in the same situation. Some people have got it extremely bad, some people have got it mint, but whether you do something about it is your choice. But to get to that position of ownership, like clearly, to go from where you were to where you are now, you might have had some amazing support and you might have had an amazing family around you, amazing friends, but... Many people have had all of those and still don't manage to pull it back. To face up to it. That's it. You've said it. That's, but th- that is not face an Face up to it. Face up to it and acknowledge and accept, which is why I think talking as a concept is massive, but getting yourself in a position to say, I own this. Like, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I've done. So now I need to take responsibility, but also doing it for yourself. So... I think all the positive effects your change around has had on everyone else has started because you've needed to do that for you. You've not done it because you want to be, your family to think a certain way about you or your mates to yeah. think Tom needs to sort himself out. You're like, this is me, I'm Tom, this is where I am and I need to do it for me. And then from there, the positive effects and all that. And and, and trying not to, trying to understand that that your life is yours because w- when you're young and you're in this sort of like uh, wave of, of of friendship building and like that the crew, right? It's so easy to like identify to that, right? When actually once the dust settles, you've got your own shit. You know what I mean? You know your own stuff that you need to sort out. And you know I mentioned this on on the on the first podcast that we did, and you know it. I, I really do uh, feel that, that that that's what it's trying to say, and I'm not necessarily a religious person, um, but you know when people uh, say that, um, what's the word? What's like the official religious word? Um, but, but what do they use now? Well, you know when when you admit what you've done. 
Oh, uh, uh, yeah, like... The, 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 uh, repent. Repent your right, sins. Right, so, so I honestly think that what that means, it's nothing about letting God know or whatever what I've yeah. done. It's about knowing that's what I did and this yeah. is where I'm at yeah. because of me. Yeah. Right? And, and the whole, it sets you free, you know, you know re- religious aspects aside, that's what it's saying. But once I admit that where I am right now and the things I've done is because of what action I've took, then all of a sudden, hold on a minute, that means I'm in control. That means ah. I can go in the direction that I want. And I think that's where the whole, again, I'm not religious by any stretch, but I think that's what it means. It means, you know, admit what you've done to yourself and and, and only until you've accepted what you've done yourself can you realise that actually it's you that's in control. And I honestly think that's what it means. Like, you know, nothing's like afterlife, peace, whatever. You know, it comes down to this is what I've done. Owning it. And owning it and facing it and, and like... You know, uh, in retrospect to like what you were saying about a bad upbringing and stuff like that, uh, is is what you have now after that, before that, is that this is yours now, yep. and it's your choice now to to go in your own direction. And I guess a positive message to send out to people that are listening that might be in a situation is. We're not saying we're criticizing you for blaming your mum, your dad, your auntie, your uncle your teacher, whoever, or whatever your situation is, or if, if, if you're looking at an external source for the reason why you are like you are, but actually facing up to it and taking responsibility for it, it's a, it's a weight on yourself. Actually, the acknowledgement of that is the thing that can set you free on a path. Yeah, accepting my situation, yeah. you know. Obviously, you know, uh, you know, we're not, we're not, obviously I'm not saying accept, you know, not all, I'm not saying accept that you was, you, you, you had, you know, you, you, you had a negative upbringing. What I'm saying is accept that where you are right now and where you move forward from now is up to you, right? And if that means getting away from negative relationships, which feel comfortable and which feel like they're helping you in some way, getting away from them, that, them, uh, them negative relationships, whatever that is, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or people, or activities, or, you know, uh, um, habits... Getting away from 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 that negative pattern is the way forward for it, and and I, and, and I know that's difficult, and I, like I know that that's it's comfortable, it's easy, it's the known, isn't it? I think as well, a massive thing for me, the mental torture of partying and the come downs and the hangovers was the guilt and the pressure that I used to put on myself. I think. Forgiving yourself is a massive factor in... So if you know you've made some decisions or you've done things, you've done some shit things or you've let people down or you've let yourself down and you feel like you've got a negative perception of yourself, part of your experience and your journey in regards to moving forward is saying, do you know what? I have fucked up. But actually, I'm not a bad person and I, I want better. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people that I work with, really are so self-critical even it might be five years after the things that they're, pon- they're still pondering on is it time to just say do you know what I have I've messed up but actually I've, I've I've owned it I've admitted it and now I want to move forward and and be a bit kinder to myself and that takes bollocks yeah you know that that takes bollocks to go 
do you know what? I'm actually all right, you know? Because then all the things that you're clinging to and all the things that you're like, you've identified to, you know, you suddenly realise, you know, actually there's nothing to hold on to here. You know, I'm clinging, I'm clinging, I'm clinging, you know, to this relationship, to this habit, to this to this negative situation because it's known. And then you know, actually saying I'm all right, you know, you, you, it, a weight lifts, do you know what I mean? But But again... Again, it takes like internal process to get to that, and it takes balls to do that. And what I'm saying is completely and utterly, which is why you're doing what you're doing to show people an open door and say, "Look, you know, th- th- this is this is the space where you can come to accept what it, the situation is, and we're all here to talk about it, and we're all here to try and you know let you see that that what you have is a chance to have a life." which is peaceful and grounded, regardless of what's happened, regardless. I want, I'm urging people that are listening to this podcast, this one in particular, we really, I really wanted to hone in on drugs and alcohol and addiction. The first podcast we did, Tom went into a lot of depth about his life and his experience. And for those that don't know, Tom's a magician and an, an amazing magician at that. I urge you to go back and listen to that so you can get the full idea of Tom's experience and then when you listen to this it, it'll make even more out. sense yeah <laughs> it's a journey um so i don't in this i don't want to go over the same stuff and i but i certainly don't want to seem like i'm skimming over big parts of your life what i wanted to do is talk quite a bit about your situation in regards to when you came to realize you had a problem so what were you doing what were you using was it drugs was it alcohol and when did you come to the point where you thought and I know, obviously, on the podcast we spoke about your crisis point, but there must have been instances before totally. where, you, yeah, no, 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 massively. So, so, so uh, again, the 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 point of where like the wheel started to screech, and I started to go, oh, whoa, what's happening here? Um, w- w- was like you know a, a disconnection from my passions. You know, I noticed that I was less interested. In, in what I did for a living. Um, I was less interested in my, my values about what life meant. You know, um, I was just generally less interested in in having a meaningful life. And, and, and I knew that that was, you know, and I was constantly hiding away, hiding away. And I was becoming more reclusive and I was becoming more anxious around people uh so which which created me to become more reclusive um and and thank god that i had some thing in my brain that said this isn't right you know if you didn't have that if you didn't have that thing that made you realize it weren't right and then all those situations just became your new norm yeah frightening and 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 you know I, I I was I was listening to something the other week about how people some people don't have an internal dialogue, so that what, if you think to yourself now, high skeg, so I think, and I've just thought high skeg, yeah, people can't do that. It's an actual thing yeah. what people have now. I was able, thank God, to think. I was able to know I was steering off the track, right now. 
I, I was able to know that and still ended up in in. And that's on, what on I was going to say is ward. knowing it, knowing it, knowing it is one thing. And this is what I said: the guy who's still sat in the after parties five years later knows it. He knows full well how every aspect of his life is in turmoil, but he's still there. You, what your point of action might have be a lot quicker than someone else's, and this is what uh, I think. Well, people... I mean, I mean, I, 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 it was a very staggered start, you know. It, it, you know, as I'm sure yours was, it was a very staggered. You're having start. Dri- it's drip feeding, and you're starting to like this is not right. This doesn't yeah, this feel is, right. Th- this is not right. And then, and then, then, then you take a few steps, and you think, oh yeah, we're not right direction. And then, you know, I mean, th- and again, I've never thought about it this way, but I literally just am right now in some sense. Um, it was almost like dieting. So like you'd have a phase where you'd you'd not session as much, or you'd get away from it, and you'd feel the benefits. Yeah. And then it's almost like you reward yourself, like, you know, with your old life, you know, because you've been on the right track, quote unquote, you know, and that, that was why it was such a staggered start for me, you know, in regards to, right, I need to sort myself out. Um, You know, I started to just notice things, you know, like, you know, paperwork piling high. Emails not replied to, you know, people waiting on me, missed gigs. So what you're saying is most fundamental aspects of your life and your being a negative impact on virtually everything, not just work and stuff like that, but you, every your, aspect. Fe- your feelings and your thoughts and every aspect of your life is having a negative, they're all feeling worse and the presenting is worse. Like everything's... My everything's, whole sense of who I was and who I am, yeah. you know, came into question, you know? And I, and I wonder... If someone's in that loop, but they can't get away from it, imagine living your the you, rest you, of your, your days not knowing. And, 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 you know, I touched on this on the last one, but it's saying, you know what? Uh, maybe maybe some someone can help. You know, m- maybe, like if I've swallowed my pride, yeah, m- maybe, you know, if I'd have spoke about it, right? Or... or, or or voiced it out of this experience I was going through of feeling like my life was dismantling because of bad habits. If I'd have spoke about it, which I never did, um, until it got to the point of catatonic where my mum and dad realised there was something wrong and then intervention got brought in, then, you know, uh, which is why I will say, like, you know, hold out a hand. And that's not a weak thing, saying, listen, I- I'm I'm stuck here. You know, things are going wrong here. You know, I'm not in a good spot here. You know, and again, taking balls, like, and, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I didn't know I could speak about it. I didn't know that, you know, it's very easy when you're in that depressed state to think that you're the only one through it. Like, that is total truth there that nobody can be experiencing what I'm experiencing. Nobody can feel this low. I'm the only one that's feeling like this. Just compounds it um and obviously like i say a staggered start it was a staggered start and there were from like foot some heavy falls along the way there what were you doing in terms of like drinking were you a drinker was it drugs uh, well was it- obviously drink and then drugs came after the drink and then sorry drugs came after the drink and obviously within that was lack of sleep and then there was you know the cannabis to 
you know, like sort of outweigh that and sort of like mitigate the no sleep to chill me out, chill the anxious mind out. And then, you know, then you just get into a sea of just, you know, trying to juggle your emotions through different substances. You know, I mean, it sounds hard for me to say that, you know, but that's literally what it was, you know, and, and people can say or do what they want about on that. Um, but that's that, that's that, how it was. That's how it was. Yeah. And 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 I, I'd say that what I was attempting to do was uphold a shattered version of myself. What what had happened through uh, just a, a disregard for 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 myself, which that's upsetting. Like you know, like a disregard for me. You know, and and there is a like it's 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 so it's so like. People say that like drug use and addiction is so selfish or whatever, but I mean, how much more unselfish can you get when, when like you're literally ruining your own life? Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like you're literally ruining your own life and other people's life around you. You know, so so in other words, you just got completely lost, and it, it is sad. Like me compared to me doing the podcast from when we first did it to now. I'd say I've come on even more, and I, I, you know, in regards to being able to feel a lot more grounded in it, and and I and it and it was sad, but you know, and again, I put like I say, I'm not asking for sympathy here. Right? I nearly swore for the first time on this podcast. I'm not <laughs> sure I swore yet, but um, I'm not. I'm not asking for sympathy. I'm saying like you know, people are in that situation, and it's sad, yeah. And holding out hand and saying I'm stuck here, I'm in trouble here, you know. And being able to say something can can help. So you're, and again, I urge you to go back to the first podcast as a reference. Tom goes into a lot of depth about his mental health experience and it, it got to like as bad as it could be. If you could just reflect and, and just kind of summarise, you, you, you had your drug experiences and then you got to where, if you can just summarise kind of what happened as an end result of your drugs and your partying, uh, well, I, I I went into a, a drug-induced psychosis where basically I got put on a mental health ward um, because of, of of constant lack of sleep and drug use. That that's literally that that was the that was the end of the road, you know. That was the end of the road, and 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 I I don't wish any of that on my worst enemy. Because if someone's listening to this. And this is why I said earlier about us covering all aspects and all bases. If someone tries smoking weed, say someone at 16 tries smoking weed, that doesn't mean, I know this is absolute common sense, someone who tries weed isn't, 99% of those are not going to end up on a psychotic ward. No, definitely not. But they've listened to your story and experience so far and they can hear it in even more depth on the episode. It's important to know that the possible outcomes, it's not just we have a good time when you're younger, it's all gravy, right, like you've got all these memories and you phase it out and then you've settled down, have a family, job, mortgage and all that. Sometimes, like some of my nearest and dearest are battling. So, like, literally with every ounce of their being to get away from yeah. these things that they started doing when they're 16. Your experience is you started off as a kid. Yeah. On park or in bus stop or messing about with your mates. Fast forward. And, and, the trigger being a breakup, and, that, that, and again, I don't know this for fact, but when I look back, the trigger being which, which you know, let's be honest, you know, there's been 
a countless amounts of heartbreaks what has happened in the length of this podcast. Right? Yeah. It's a and, and it's it's a difficult terrain to get through. And I unbeknowingly uh found something that helped me get through that. Um but then the then the bubble popped. The bubble popped. And you said about the like the you ended up in hospital and stuff like that. What how were you at the time? And I know we did cover it on the last one, but how were you presenting? How were you? How were your family? Just a complete and utter shambles. You know, my family was absolutely distraught, obviously terrified. Um, distraught, terrified. When we talk, we're talking about family and friends. It's distraught, it's terrified. It's, uh, I, I don't think there's even any words for the emotions that my family and friends felt. There's no words for it. I mean, I mean, imagine someone you love and someone you care for becoming a fragment of a person that they were and the only fragment that you can see is a completely and utterly terrified, delusional person. Imagine what that must feel like to see the, someone you love going to that state. Um, and then, you know, which I think is the biggest part side of it, and then on, on my side of it, uh, you've got someone uh, that is, is completely lost in a sea of, of, of no meaning, no understanding. So are you, are you able to hold a conversation? Are you able to understand reality? Is, it, is that what kind of... Are you, are mean, you it, talking mean, to your parents normally or is it all... It's, it's psychosis. Yeah. It like completely and utterly... No sense to you anything. Know, uh, I mean, well, from my side, it felt like sense. Um, but from from family's side, it was complete. So what you, you know, were saying were just... It, 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 it'll have been yeah. connected to something in my mind at the time. But I'd no bearing um, to reality. Yeah, I mean, but like, a, like one of the most difficult experiences to go through and one of the most difficult experiences for family and friends to watch. End of story. That that is it. Like one of the most difficult experiences to experience myself. Would not wish it on anyone at all. Never. And one of the most difficult experiences that I would never wish on anyone to have to experience when their loved ones watch them go through it. Simple as that. And the fact is, I managed to get out of it. So I managed to come out and actually be all right. Our bonkers. And, is and that. this is what. What I don't know if we covered it on the last one, but. I I have a perception of someone that's in that situation. When you're in that situation, that just becomes how you are forever. Uh, to be able to work out of that and find a way out of that and off medication and back to reality and more like you are now. Yeah. You're lucky, aren't you? You're, you're lucky. And I, we speak about this party lifestyle and people that might be Oh, it's just it's just a session, and I, I, you know, I work hard, I earn money, then I have a session. But what you said is, drugs and sleep deprivation <laughs> compounded. Drugs, sleep, drugs, alcohol, sleep deprivation mixed in with the pressures of responsibilities in life, which is what it eventually comes to, right? Which I think, which is why. It's it's all right. Like it's, I'm not saying it's all right, but it it seems to work all right when you're young, yeah. But the pressures of life start to build up, you know. 
again, Jordan Peterson, he talks about it being like a, a dragon behind the door and that gets bigger and bigger. And at some point, the, the life busts through the door. And, and, you know, it swallows you up. So, in regards to a positive way forward and you've, you've managed to get out of this uh, most awful of situations... <laughs> There's really no other way to put no, it. And, 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 no. and, like, it's so morbid. And it, even, even like, for, for me, to, like, to think about it, but it, and, it, and even for my family to think about it, it's 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 distraught. Imagine imagine someone you love dying but still been alive. That, that's, that, that's probably yeah. the best way I can that's describe. A, yeah, it. yeah. So 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 your son, daughter, or whatever is dead, but you can still see them in front of you. But they're gone. But they've like, gone. Yeah. Right. That 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 like the most that that. that that's probably the biggest thing that I feel sad about the most when I think back to that, about what my family and friends went through. That is the biggest, biggest thing what what I get upset about is what they must have gone through, right? And also, how they stayed strong through that and how their love and support actually helped me get across the finish line. Unfucking real mate. So... And 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 that that's my biggest biggest thing to come out from it. What you just said, I love the getting over the finish line analogy because it, essentially what you've done though is you've started another big race again because you've you've got out of the mental health crisis, but instead of just reverting back to a similar lifestyle of even if it was just mild abuse and using things to block out thoughts and feelings, very foolish. You've very foolish. Well, it depends you know, how, yeah, it depends but, you how know, you, yeah, no, yeah, yeah but, but like, that, my, yeah. you know, very, very foolish, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and I, and I do, I do sort of like part of me, you know, part of me wonders, but again, we touched on this on the last one about it being my decision, right. And about it being me that made the choice to stay clean, right. Rather than someone telling me I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that, which never works. Right. Um, but you know, Insanely lucky. Um, I feel sad that my family and friends had to go through it and witness it. And I feel so insanely lucky to have managed to get out of it. Like, insanely. You've discovered the gift of sobriety. Yeah. How long How long have you been sober for now? Uh, it was three years, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so um, I, I, I'm not sure whether... we did, did you announce you were four years, but you were late for the announcement? You must have been. Yeah, I, right? yeah, yeah. So so I, so I my first day of sobriety is three days after your year. So yeah. we, we celebrate our year within a three-day gap, With, yeah. Yeah. right? So you must have announced it. You must have been a bit late to the yeah. post, yeah? You must have been. Yeah, probably. Right? So, so because so, the first of June, mate. Yeah. That's the that is yeah. the date, yeah. The first of June. Now, yours must have been at least a few days Mine before were, that, yeah, I, or something. Yeah, I don't know what. But I, anyway, it was a massive motivation, massive, insane. And like, by the way, dude, like, I know you're a prideful person and like you're a very humble person, dude. Your announcement of that is why I'm sat here three years sober, dude. Like, that's part <laughs> of it. You are part of it's that. Mad that. Isn't that mad? Like, I, I, like, just, 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 just take, take that please for me because I want you to right so I bumped into someone on a dog walk the other week yeah 
And he met me at a gig years ago and he was an 18 and he met me 11 years old, right? At a gig. And I'd seen him a couple of times when he were 11 and during that one year, right? This was going back 10 years ago, yeah? I bumped into him on a dog walk the other day, yeah? And he said, hey, yo, dude, are you Afro Magic? He's 18 year old now, right? He says, yeah, and he goes, I met you when I were 11, right? And you showed me a trick and you showed me how to do it, right? And I've been blowing people away with that trick ever since. <laughs> now, that blew my mind. That's some yeah? powerful shit, mate. Right, now listen to what I'm saying. You getting sober and saying I'm one year sober and talking about how great your life is now you got sober is one of the reasons I'm sober, bro. Mega that, mate. So I want you to take that and know that. And th- do you know what? This For me, I still get loads of shit on a daily basis when I put spreading this message about sobriety. Usually from people that I know that are like, deflecting from their own insecurities probably, but I, I get pissed up at me daily. And some of it's welcome banter from some of my closest friends that yeah. I expect no less. But for me, people seeing it and deciding to make a change... And you're not saying don't eat meat or don't or don't do this, don't do that. What you're saying is, if your life is in a certain situation, you've got a tool at your disposal to cut alcohol out or drugs or whatever it is that could significantly improve your life. So I'm going to bang that fucking drum every single day on social media. Too right. And if one person sees it, and I think what's happening now, mate, is an extension of what you've just said. That means the fucking world to me, but you already know that. You doing it, so I do it, you do it. Someone sees you do it, they do it. Someone sees them do it, they do it. Before you know it, mate, I bet if we sat and did a bit of research, we had a few hours in here and started to draw a fucking... If we wrote Skeg in the middle of it and then started to go, Tom, did it, did it, did it. I'm thinking of people already that have... That's it. Imagine that, and you're not saying, look at everyone who stopped drinking or where... You're saying, these people were in fucking a bad spot. They've made a change because they see you put it out there. And they've made a change and now they're like... Because at the end of the day, what's important is not whether you drink, whether you don't drink, whether you, you can fucking have 10 pints. What's important is, are you happy? You've nailed it. Are you, are and, you happy? No. What can you do to improve it? Stop drinking. Fucking look at your life now. Yeah, and, and it's not saying that like... Again, it's not a magic bullet. Yeah, right? And, and <laughs> At all, right? But my God... Do you know what I mean? It's it's a massive, massive thing which can help improve your life on levels that you didn't realise. Now, there's something that I was going to hold back that I want to mention here. That's that, There's a good point to mention it right now, mate, is the fact that even today, I'm noticing habits and, and things that I do on a daily basis that once are sorted, things, you know, sort themselves out, right? You know, just looking at it from like a, a relationship aspect, right? or like a day-to-day work-life-business aspect of, of, of how, how we move forward, yeah? When I, when, I, when, I, when I stick to my fitness and I stick to what I want to do and I get the things done, what I know will improve me, I get stressed less, I react less, right? Uh, my patience is longer, right? And, and it, if I let that slide, yeah? Then, then the stress levels increase. You know, the quick to the quick to be annoyed then comes back. Right? Yeah. Now,
at that point in time of the stress or, or of, the, of the whatever it is that you're feeling, you can think something's not right here, right? You know, is, is this relationship all right? Or, you know, is, is my work doing okay, right? When really, you know, what's happened is I've, I've let my own core slip slightly and, and the, 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 the outcome of that is, is higher stress. You know, I'm quick to anger maybe slightly a bit too much than I should be because I'm not stepping up to the mark that I know I can but do. But do you feel your sobriety has given you the ability to recognise and regulate those things? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. like, so like drinking, right, and getting mash up, right? You, again, when you're experiencing outside of the drinking and the getting mash up, are problems that you might be encountering it might not seem obvious that maybe calming down on the drink is a solution. But really, just like I said, even simple things about getting out there and doing my run makes my whole life seem a hell of a lot better. So alcohol essentially is an anaesthetic. So your thoughts and your conscious feelings about things like you just mentioned, the simple elements of your life... If you're drinking alcohol on a regular basis, you're going to be so tired and so less aware, and probably yeah, so, so, not so, 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 you know, oh, you know, my marriage is. You haven't got energy. If your you marriage know, is, if your marriage is yeah, shit, yeah. but you're drinking every day, you're like, it's shit, but fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, but but, but actually, it's probably shit because of the drink. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you get what I'm saying? Because because of what that's whatever you know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying like again. We need you know. We don't need to reiterate this, but we're not saying that you know. That, that that's what that causes. Drinking alcohol causes shit marriage. What we're saying is, if you have a shit marriage, look at a few pointers about, okay, maybe I'm doing this right, you know. And again, you know, if you pull the alcohol away, you've got more room, you you actually start to feel more centred, and actually, you, you know, you're a bit more easier person to deal with. Absolutely. And, you know, and again, and I wanted to reflect it back on, because I'm still a work in progress, dude, Right. Oh, of yeah. course, you know. So, so like when I think to, to my own life and my own relationship, is the fact that sometimes you know maybe, maybe it's not maybe like this passing the book over to some other thing. And again, I'm I'm, I'm enlightening myself here as I'm saying it because we've even pointed it out in this podcast. Passing the book to these outside scenarios, maybe this is not great, maybe that's not great. Hold on a sec. What am I doing here that's not making myself centered? And then when I do all of a sudden things start clicking back into place again. And I think, what? Like, mm. what was I even doing? Mm. Well, I think the sobriety and the, the the space in your brain, what you free up, allows you to... I, I, the best the best way I can describe it from my perspective is I couldn't be arsed. And that weren't just I couldn't be arsed to go for a runner or I couldn't be arsed to eat healthy. I couldn't be arsed to think deeply. I, I'd, I'd think deeply, but in a negative, dismissive way but not actually think about these aspects of your life where you th- can recognise, acknowledge and take action on improving these fundamental things that have a significant impact on your life. If I'm drinking all the time, or even if I have one big session on a Saturday, rest at week is about autopilot, distraction, get through to next weekend. Yeah. Not f- I- f- and and it, I fear for people who can't get away from, if it's alcohol that's causing you the problem, if you can't get away from it and you never allow yourself, I... I I blocked out 100% of everything that was 
deep or negative or difficult for me to think about. And I was distracted enough. My phone would have let me engage me 24-7 so I don't have to think about anything. And it's battling until the next good thing comes along that I enjoy doing. And that's with existence. No time to think or... um, So we spoke a bit about the positive effect. So you spoke about me having a positive effect on you. And I'm certain that there's people who've seen your... and and, And you said... You don't necessarily. You're not. You're not champion. You might speak to people in person about it, but you wouldn't necessarily be promoting it online. But I'm certain there's people around you that have seen your journey and your experience and got something out of it. Yeah. People who are listening to this podcast, really, what kind of message could we send to someone? So, say, I'm not trying. I don't want to draw it into a stereotype, but if someone's listening to this, it doesn't matter who they are, how how old they are, if they're struggling in life, and bearing in mind that. that the ethos of this podcast in particular is more around drugs and alcohol and addiction, but obviously incorporating mental health and all that. If somebody's listening to this podcast and they're in a situation in life where they're lost, they don't know what to do, you said something about if if, if, you, if you're feeling it yourself, you think no one else feels this way, no one else can feel this bad. The truth is a hell of a lot of people do, but your personal experience is unique to you. What could we say to someone as a takeaway from this podcast if they're in a difficult spot, whether it be drink, whether it be drugs, whether it be mental health? How could we help them? I personally think, and again, I'll start from the point what I said last time about deeply knowing that I know how it feels, right? He or she, if you are listening, I know exactly how it feels to feel that sense of stuck and thinking that actually... There's no way out of this, right? What if I said to you that actually it is possible to get out of the sticky situation that you're in and all it takes is actually going, you know what, I'm going to do something for me for a change, yeah? Actually, I'll do something for me. I'm going to make my life better for me, right? A lot of people spend a lot of their time and energy trying to focus on helping other people, like, sort of, like, taking care of other people and they let themselves drop and drop and drop, which can cause this, what what, we're, what we spoke about, this whole podcast. Actually, I'm going to do something for myself here, however little that'll be, right? If you think, do you know what? I might sort out a bit of house today and I'll not have a drink, but I'll sort out a bit of the house, yeah? Imagine how great you'd feel just by actually skipping one night of not having a drink, yeah, just for one night and do some proactive. And I'm not, we're not saying like, say, like, lock yourself up to do this thing. I will do this thing, yeah. And imagine how great you'd feel, right, just from that one night, right, of thinking, do you know what? I'll not have a drink tonight or I'll not do said habit or behavior, which is proven to be negative on me. I'll skip one night and I'll swap it and try and do something else proactively. Maybe phone up a friend that you've not spoke to in a while, right? I know sometimes people don't phone you, or sometimes that might feel alienated that no one calls you. Phone a couple of people, see if anyone picks up, and, and that might spark a conversation about how you are, how they've been, and how you've been. Or even if it's to go for a walk, obviously, at the minute, I don't know when you listen to this, but it might be good weather to go for a walk, and actually experience nature, and to actually take some time out and know that you can do something with yourself in small bits. And that might be just tonight, not having a drink, connecting with an old friend, 
speaking to someone that you know is outside of the circle of the habits that you're normally in. And then straight away then, you know, you create a whole new experience of, hold on a sec, I spoke to that guy, that felt great, that. Do you know what? You know, that kitchen's been doing our nutting. I've actually, you know, I've not been looking after it, you know, and I've gone in, all of a sudden I feel a bit more relaxed because the house is a bit cleaner and, and I've not gone out and I've got a drink and then you do, we wake up next day and you're not hungover. Then all of a sudden you're waking up with a fresh mind to a clean kitchen, you know. It's a very simple thought process that because what you've just said essentially if I had to round it up summarize it I would say instead of putting some sh- say if this were tonight and you were saying to someone if they would if say if drinking was their their issue instead of putting some shit into your body you, you're not going to put some shit in your body and you're going to put some goodness in totally so no shit in and then not just no shit in and then just whatever no shit in and we're going to fucking fight back with some goodness. And as a concept, really, when you think about that, even if it's just one night a week, you're starting to, your brain's starting to go, hang on a minute. I fucking hate doing my ironing, but I've done it all. And I wake up in the morning and that pile of clothes is not on side because I've ironed it and put it all away. Subconsciously, you're like, whoa. Totally. Like, issue you've got is, say if it was alcohol, and I'm not just picking on alcohol, but it is something I'd, fucking hate deeply yeah. that pile of ironing is not getting done and you're you're not going you might not wake up and go that pile of ironing still there but subconsciously totally you know there. that cl- them clothes are still there and that's having a negative effect on totally. how you think and feel in it totally now, now obviously you know uh, 100% with the alcohol side of stuff uh, but it could be just a, a dismissal habit of like you know uh, getting in, into a rut every night you know, you might be drunk food in the art, drinking and playing games and just getting into this constant rut. But like I say, if you are there, yeah, just let's have a little social experiment with yourself, yeah, yeah? and say, I know what, why not, why not for one night, right, I don't drink or I don't do a said bad habit that you know is getting to you. Because we all know that, yeah, whatever it is that you're doing, you know what it is that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, right? Yeah. Try and skip that for one time and replace it with something positive, whether it's, organising something that you know you need to do, phoning someone that you've not spoken to in a while that you think you'd really connect with if you phoned them, um, getting outside and generally just having a bit more of forgiveness for yourself that actually I can do something to replace this bad habit. And, and, and like I said, that one small step there, like you said, you wake up in the morning, whoa, do you know what? That was actually brilliant, that, you know. I love your point because what you're saying is, and I... I Working with people who are either wanting to go sober or cut down, if you think about it as a whole and as a big picture, if you just go, if you come to me and said, I never want to drink again, and I go, right, when you leave here today, you're never going to drink alcohol again. That's great, but actually, that's like fucking hell. Don't worry. Massive, overwhelming. Actually, what we need to do is say, right, what I want you to do is tonight, I want you to go home, get dog, take it out for a walk, and then I'll see you again next week. Yeah. And when you set that dog out for a walk, even if you haven't got a dog, just go for a walk, yeah? Uh, but it, you know, whatever yeah. it is, but yeah. one thing, these things compounded are going to start to change your brain from whatever mindset you've been in, introducing all these positive things. So we're going to get sober. We're not just going to leave here today and never drink a drop again and everything's going to be hunky-dory. That's it, exactly. We're going yeah. yeah. to make some changes. So yeah. I guess your message is saying to people, 
don't don't be overwhelmed by sobriety by yeah. making change. These changes are small, yeah, uh, subtle. That's it. But fucking effective yeah. when they put together. Because yeah. you, you you'll start to have like small incremental feelings, you know, of of you know positive aspects that come from 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 switching it. Now, also as well, I'll, I will point this out, especially on the early on days of 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 attempting to get sober or getting sober, is the uh, endorphin loop, feedback loop of, of I'm doing it, right, starts to build. So, like, once you do that little step of, you know, not doing the habit that you know is not great and replacing it with something a little bit more structured, but still that you want to do. It has to be something that you want to do, by the way. Yeah. So, like, if something's getting to you that you want to organise, like the house is getting to you emotionally and doing a bit of that, the elation you are going to feel from doing that little thing is going to compound each time. And then before you know it, the house ain't a problem anymore, you know. And then before you know it, you know, oh, do you know what? Listen, I, I, I stopped drinking last week and I, and, I, and I managed to do a weekend without it. And for the first time, I woke up on a Monday morning like with like 50 quid in my account. Whoa, all of a sudden I can hold on to money. Whoa, when you get that elation of, you know, hold on a minute, here we go. And then next minute you might, and like I said, all these little things, these waves of, of is it, am I right with endorphin or is it? No, what, you're right. The yeah. endorf- you said a word earlier, control. Control, what you're saying is you're not waking up and just, Feeling, however, the world were meant for you to feel. You've yeah. got you. It's, you've you've took control to be able to wake up and think. I feel fucking good today. I've I've actioned this. I'm not just a, a victim, a consequence of what I've done. Yeah, I've I've made a positive change. So, one night not drinking, one night spending doing painting your bloody fence on your back garden. Yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be exponentially. Yeah, every time you step outside and see that. You know what, buzzing, mate. Yeah. You know, and and you did it. You did it for you, mate. So you're negating the the negative feelings you have towards yourself with some positive reinforcement yeah, of totally. And and that each time, like I say, you know, just ends up just snowballing. It ends up snowballing. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, right? When I had, and I know this sounds crazy. But I had three, I remember, I, I don't know why it was 300 quid, but I was like, I had 300 quid in my account and I've, I've, I've never experienced having, because, mate, I used to just spend everything I had, yeah. right? I used to always get pissed up the wall, right, yeah? So I, I never, I, ne- I always thought that baseline was having zero pounds, yeah? <laughs> right? I thought that's what, whatever you had in your account was to be spent immediately, right? So I remember... When I first started getting sober, I remember having like, and I remember, I remember, I'll never forget it. I had 300 quid and like I had nothing else to pay out. The bills were paid. I'd had some food. The, 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 the uh, cupboards were stocked up and I had 300 quid. And I felt, and I, I know money's not it, but like just to have a bit of security. The feel, like, it's the feel, it's not the money, it's the feeling of of having it is what you got yeah. from, the value you got and, from. Yeah. And, and control, you know, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's control. it. Yeah, that, that, that's it. You're right with that. It's the, it's the control. And like I said, that just ends up, you know, growing more and more. And, and, and like, people think like, oh, you know, 
they might see you in a certain way when they see you killing it, yeah, right, in some sort of way, whatever it is that you're doing, right? But, and I'm not saying that that's, you know, that, that I'm not saying that, that that's one of the positives of it. It's a byproduct of it, you know, having a bit more money to, to then, like, being able to live a better life, to treat yourself, you and the people that you love to things, nice things, yeah? I know it's not all about that, but you wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise. So, if, if, you know, if you've saved a bit because you've managed to, to, to you know, not piss it all up wall, to be able to enjoy that money in a different way, which can be perceived negative, like, oh, it's, it's all about that. When, no, it's not like, you know, you wouldn't have been able to do that if you'd have not <laughs> sorted yourself out. Yeah. Would you? The proof is in the pudding, mate. Totally. Yeah. That, 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 that's it. The proof is in the pudding... And, and, you know, the pudding is not it. That's just, <laughs> the, the, it just ends up being there. And, and it's yeah. one small thing. And that, if you are going to say, what would you do if you were in that situation? It's knowing that 100 million percent, you can change your life for the better. And it's, 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 it's now, the, the, the tough build all is, it's up to me, right? But then knowing that, hold on a sec, because it's up to me, that means that I could actually do something positive and it'd be up to me. You know, because sometimes it's scary to go, oh my God, it's all up to me, right? <laughs> but, but then you think, oh, okay, on the positive side, wait, if it is all up to me, what could I do? Do you know what I mean? The power of that. You know, what, and, and, and prime example, Skeg, on what you're doing and the effect you're having on people, you know, if only someone had shown, if someone opened a little window when you were like on, on death's door in the morning at 5 a.m. Yeah. Said, Listen, how are you going to change, change people's lives if you sort your life out? It's a big motivator for me, mate, because I dragged it out a lot longer than I should have. And the thought of it, me doing what I'm doing now and the people around me doing it, helping someone who that person laid in bed in the state is it's a massive incentive. I don't want people to be feeling like that. No. Right. Afro, it's been. Awesome again. We've we've killed it again. I can't wait to listen back to this. Just to finish off, I just want to reiterate this guy, Tom, is one of the best upfront street magicians in the fucking world. It's a fact. Where can they check out information about Afro Magic? So if it's afromagic.co.uk, Facebook, Afro Magic, Instagram, Afro Magic. I try and keep fresh on it. I am busy, but I try and keep fresh on the socials because it just makes people smile, you know. Um, but obviously, if you ever bump into me as well, just uh, I, I can bust some stuff for you as well. Like you're a fucking legend, yeah. mate. You're a legend, mate. <laughs> don't, don't hit a lot. No, you're a legend. No, 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 no you're. you're, 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 you're I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not fighting you, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, so it's been a pleasure again, mate. Um, no, I've loved we it. could go on. We could go on all day. I think uh, what I want to do as well is I'm really interested in getting some people on with different perspectives and getting three or four mics set up. And so it's not, ju- we're coming at it from, we've both had a problem and now we're both sober. Yeah. I'd like to get some people on who are pro drinking or pro partying yeah. so we can have, and it's okay to talk about, we don't have to be, you're a dick because you don't drink or you're a dick because you drink. Not at all. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah. chat. Yeah, let, not at all. And, and, and like I say, I'm not selling nothing to no one. I'm just saying, this is what's happened yeah. with me and this is how it's improved. You know, and and if and you know if 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 you and and again, this is my opinion. Yeah, um, if you happen to be a social drinker and have got your life together, 
fucking, you know, go for it, you know. Um, but stuff arises, which we spoke about in this podcast, which I would say would be a benefit, even to those people, even to those. So I hope right. you're listening and taking notice at home. You know, um, but like I say, my, my you know, I, I'm open for people to live their life and walk their own path. That That's my deep sentiment is whatever your path is, it's your job to walk it. And all I say is, all I can do is share my experience if it's asked for. And then, you know, whatever people do with that is up to them. If it helps them or if people want help from me, my door, door is always open for anyone to message me. And listen, if you're older than I I'll help, I'll help pull you out of the, the muck if you're in it. Definitely. Without a doubt. You're a top man. Cheers, Tom. Appreciate it, Top brother. man. Cheers.